0: Welcome to episode 481 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little, along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. I think he is still wearing the exact same sweatshirt that he wore at that exact same time last week. It is green and it looks comfortable. It's Russell John, the Fisherman.
1: I, yeah, is that weird? No, <laughs> okay. not weird at all. I didn't know, I didn't know if I broke our uh, no. uniform. It's sweatshirt season, baby. We do, uh, despite the holiday, we still have a strict dress code. So. We do. I yeah I thought this was included,
0: though. which no one is uh, <laughs> is 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 working towards uh, meeting those goals of no, having. Oh, okay, good. Because as as I'm t- talking over there to Randy Michaelstad in Atlanta, Georgia, he's wearing some Daisy Duke shorts. So I don't know what's going on with that.
2: <laughs> no shorts this week, man. I got pants on. It's cold.
0: Always playing to the bit, <laughs> Randy <know>. Michael Michaelstad. <laughs> yeah. And joining oh, us from behind the wall, beneath <laughs> the curtain, oh boy, that didn't sound good, it's Oksana Valerdeva-Osachi. <laughs> Hi. Oksana, what's going on? Uh, not
3: much. I
0: know. All right. Everyone is just full of energy and <laughs> yeah, talk today. Yeah, get ready. I, um,
1: I'm on a uh, a birthday hangover. I, I only drank, I think, five Guinnesses, but man, it caught up with me.
0: And that and is why yeah. your friend Clark came to your rescue today. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, do you know what you know what I did today? I, I helped out a friend in need. Russell was you know, he's we're not Russell, you gotta realize we're not uh we're not twenty-five anymore. All right. You mm-hmm. know, we we've paid our dues as people. Our bodies are breaking down. So when you go out and you have a nice, you know, twelve hour rampage with the boys, you're gonna pay for it the next day. So Randy, he came in, he was looking a little tired, looking a little like he needs a little boost. That's why Daddy Clark had a little extra liquid IV to help Russell pull through. Forced a
1: a glass of orange liquid on me. I was just like, fine, okay, I drink it. It I imagine
0: you chugged it within
1: thirty seconds. What? Why does it taste like candy? Because that's how
0: you sell to the kids, (laughs) baby. (laughs)
1: I'm like, is the ingredient sugar that I'm having? Part of it is, yeah. They have. I think it's. I think
0: it's a fair amount of sugar, but uh, excellent uh, hydration substitution.
1: It did look like you dumped a pixie stick in some water.
0: I 100% <laughs> dumped a pixie stick into some water.
1: Dude, it tastes like
0: it. And also joining us, uh, an in-studio guest, boys and girls, we're happy to bring in our dear friend, Nick Nordlinger. Oh, boy, I said your last <laughs> name incorrectly. <laughs> I, wow. I knew it was going to be that. Normally, uh,
3: it's me. You know, it's you did fine. It's Nick Nordlinger. Uh, reminds me of every day we had a substitute teacher. Um, <laughs> uh, I hope I fit the dress code. I just wore a, a T-shirt, uh, but it's Cat System Corp, limited edition. And also, I wanted to say to your hangover story, Russ. I went to a concert two nights ago. Oh, I had three beers, uh-huh. and I'm still feeling it. So we are getting old, yeah, I'm you know.
0: <laughs> like, you. Like, like. That's why Liquid IV <laughs> is there for all your needs. Yeah, I don't know.
3: And also, I was in a mosh pit for a song and a half before I was so winded that I needed
0: someone <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> fuck
3: yeah to drag me. Oh, you went? You went in the pit? I went in the pit because I was oh, like, pit, Nick. my son's born, and I know all these songs. And within about a song and a half, it was like becoming a physical crisis. You know, I needed to get yeah. out of there. <laughs> so.
1: Well, it's yeah. cool. You had them strapped to your back. You
3: took him to the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone was there with their seven-year-old daughter, or I'm guessing her age, who was crying, and I was like, listen, I'm not going to tell anyone how to be a parent, but that seemed like a bad choice at the punk show, you know? I don't know. Yeah,
1: you know, our third chair, Justin, he was, he'd tell me all the time how he'd bring his daughters to shows, and he's like, it's cool. You go toward the back, but I his daughters could stand. Yeah, maybe a James
3: boy. Taylor show. Yeah, you know, I, like- <laughs> I don't know.
1: Hardcore. They're doing karate chops
3: and shit. This was loud Punk ska show. I don't know if it was the place for a kid
1: that age. But. You know, I wasn't I didn't believe it either until you said ska. And then I imagined there was a table with like hors d'oeuvres on it.
3: Oh no. <laughs> okay. Just 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 a lot of skanking, you know, just a lot yeah, of yeah. violent skanking going
0: on. So many trombones. <laughs> so many trombones and uh, Checker patterns.
3: I will give credit to Jeff Rosenstock. He's a very um good manager of the crowd. He's not like you know one of those fuck up the stage Travis Scott types. He okay. was, uh he early on said everybody make friends with your neighbor, and if you see someone getting groped, shut it down. And then he stopped the song midway because he said someone was throwing elbows too hard, and they needed to stop. Oh, so
0: Draymond Green! Is I don't
1: know. That. I don't know how I feel about this. There's like a hall monitor on stage now.
3: Hey, hey! People are dying at concerts these days, and you don't want to. You don't want to get canceled for being a bad.
0: Uh, try, uh, T. Swift killed somebody. <laughs> what? Yeah, somebody died at a T Swift show. Oh my
3: god! I so bad, uh, blood on her happen. hands.
0: Hundred percent. I want to know. Yeah.
3: what Randy? She thinks.
0: addressed it in the concert because
3: she said, "Hey, everybody, yeah, have she's a moment like, I'm of so silence." Sad. Someone just died. Have yeah, a moment so, of this was a couple weeks ago. No fucking
0: way. Yeah, she um, did
3: Beyonce mute. Uh, everybody quiet. Somebody <laughs> just passed away. Hold on, but Randy, you're in the like music scene, and you've probably been to some punk shows. What do you think about the yeah. punk lead singer being like, be responsible as opposed to kill everyone? Like, what's the more? enjoyable stage persona
2: uh i'm more for being in a positive environment so i I agree i prefer that although i have been to plenty of sort of violent shows and i know that uh you know punk rock and stuff especially in the bay area before uh, i was going had a lot of uh violence in it too so
3: yeah We all remember Ghost Ship and we all try to be very, very responsible now about showing everyone where the fire exits are and making sure everyone knows how to get out and no one's getting knocked on. I remember
1: Ghost Ship because I'm like – I had buddies who were living in warehouses in Oakland that were a thousand times worse than Ghost Ship.
3: I've been to shows that were worse than that for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I'm the reverse where I remember when I was scared to go to a metal show because I'm like, wait, these people kill each other there. And then I remember like Metalocalypse and how everybody started going. I'm like, God, I wish people were kind of still scared.
3: Well, OK, not every show can be mayhem. Not every show can be Gigi Allen. Yeah. You know, we need. We need- uh, hey, to be clear,
1: <laughs> I probably would not go see Gigi. God, Allen. no. Uh,
3: maybe now, but like <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> I don't want to get assaulted. By I, a-
0: I almost saw his brother. Well, <laughs> okay merle and the uh, murder Tim. junkies
3: <laughs> yeah well but there uh, he has probably i would say you know he, he's the the person they bring in to do like a history channel special on gg allen because he's the, the one 100 like sit there and talk calmly to you you know and watching the um adam i think it was adam mckay's like first movie was a gg G. allen documentary and dude oh yeah uh hated hated right yeah. And uh, terrifying, a genuinely terrifying environment to be in, to be at a GG Allen show.
0: And look <laughs> at him now.
3: Joker 2, I'm excited. Like, the big short.
1: Um, man, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you're here, Nick. Yeah.
3: It, it does really make
1: it feel more like a holiday thing. Also, you're in the room with
3: us. I, I like being in the room, and I, I'm not. Where it happened. I'm becoming more of a Luddite as time goes on. I do think there's a difference. Oh, me. yeah. And also, uh, as I said before, like, just being in someone else's home has a psychological effect on me and makes me feel like I'm on an adventure in a different way than like, you know, oh, it's a Zoom call. between.
0: Well, you're on the, and the adventure of episode 481 of the other I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, adventure that won't end.
0: Kind of, you know, while we're up top and I have a
1: perfect segue. Yeah. I'll just talk about why I'm so tired. Again, it was a birthday party. It was a fucking rager. We went over there, got wasted. There are drugs all over the table. It was fantastic. Oh, you're oh, uh, uh, a diabetic, diabetic medicine? <laughs> <laughs> Those drugs? No, actually, um, uh, it, was kind of, it was kind of a uh, secret party uh, where in the text thread, it was warned that it was actually not a party. And it was, uh, it, let me phrase it this way. To be clear, I am having a birthday thing. We will be watching all of the extended cut of Lord of the Rings starting at 10 a.m. I'm going to cook breakfast. We're going to have a hobbit breakfast.
3: Seven meals. I'm going
1: to carve. Yeah, I'm going to carve <laughs> ham, have cheese and sweet rolls. I'm going to, we're going to have sushi. I'm going to make a peasant pie. We're going to have lambest bread and we will not be heckling the movie. We will not be talking through the movie. We will be watching. And it was like,
3: Sounds
0: Very clear.
3: Yeah, it's great. I like it when you make it's, the expectations. Do I
0: know? It's called boundaries, Russell. Yeah, so.
3: It's like when I go into the movies with people and I say, if you pull out your phone, I will move seats. Like,
0: I, yeah. will, I, will, I will go sit. I've never, I've never gone that far. <laughs> I just judge people quietly. Oh, I always tell them, if you pull out your phone, I'm going to pull out my dick. <laughs> oh, my God. As well take a picture. <laughs> Jeff
3: Rosenstock would be kicking you out of the show.
0: Um, <laughs> he joined me. So the marathon I attended,
1: uh, it was uh, incredible. It was the best birthday party for me. As an individual, I had a great time. I left with a gift and I got fed the whole time. It was like my friend's parents threw a party for them. It was the weirdest experience. But I uh, also the gift I walked away with, again, RIP to Best Buy. They're not doing Blu-rays anymore. I believe it's coming to an end like now. Oh, jeez. And uh, what I got was a Spanish release of the Lord of the Rings 4K extended steelbook box set. I'm like, wait, this is, gonna, this is like legitimate. Hell yeah. Yeah. And he was like, here you go. Take it home to your wife. Shout out to uh, Sean. Yeah, that was a fantastic <laughs> party. I've never had to go to a party where um, the only thing required of me was to watch a movie quietly. I'm like, this is how I prefer to watch movies. Nobody I knew.
3: I know. <laughs> but yeah. Dude. It's a oh, dream. Lord of the Rings, by the way. What was the phone situation?
1: I kept thinking about you. By the way, Nick. Because people, people are on their phones? No, because uh <laughs> because of the in- in- because of Lord of the Rings. Right, right. And uh oh, yeah. again, y'all did a great podcast with it. I kept thinking of the Hobbit. I kept thinking of how I didn't like the Hobbit trilogy.
3: Russ is referring to the animated Bakshi episode of Cinematic Oblivion. Yeah,
1: dude, it's so good. And um
3: Or no animated Tolkien, where we talked about Bakshi, Lord of the Rings. Yeah.
1: And like Dark Hippiedom yeah, in San yeah, Francisco. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. And I, I was just thinking about like the impact of those cartoons on the film, oh, I know, and like Peter Jackson being a horror director, and like just like Tolkien. So is it is it not clear if he was like using races to to like stand in for nations? Or-
3: um, so he has refuted both the white nationalist interpretation and the hippie interpretation. He stands firmly as a Catholic. <laughs> he does believe in the British Empire, definitely. Okay, his racial beliefs are. Up, I think. I think they're up for discussion. I think that when uh, hippies first started saying, "Oh, we're into this. We're like Gandalf. We like to get real high and then like go on psychedelic trips to yeah. Mordor," he was like, "Fuck you guys, no." And then when Nazis started being like, "We get what you're saying," you know, when Varg Vikernes was like, Burzum, I love it," you know, the pure racist. He, he, I think, I don't know if he was around when that happened, but when like early signs of that happened, I think he was like, "No, that's also not it. Dude. This is about World War One." Hold
1: on, <laughs> the Varg thing. I, again, I will get off of this right now, but it's just. In my head now, I imagine him as a guy at a party that everybody's agreed. We don't like him. Yeah. But at one point we did, and it's kind of like a thing that we just have to live with now. But he'll walk around and high-five people. It's like, get the fuck away from me, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's like that with media.
3: That's perhaps the biggest disservice that Until the Light Takes Us did in depicting Varg <laughs> by Kearnes, because it's like, they show him as like, he's kind of a murderer, but he's sort of hardcore. And then it's like, yeah. I didn't hear him even say anything racist until after the movie. It's like, you guys hid the you buried the lead with the fact that this guy is like a horrible racist. But the point is, is that I think that what, I mean, uh, all I know about Tolkien and his personal philosophical beliefs is he was very like pro-Catholic, pro-British, mm-hmm. and I think that he saw World War I as a righteous war, and that's what Lord of the Rings is about. And everything else is extrapolation. And you know, he was so Catholic that when his very Christian, Aslan is Jesus friend, C.S. Lewis, married a divorced woman, he held it against him. You
1: know, All right, so. I, I apologize for that. Because Clark was like, "What did you do to Nick?" Like,
0: <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tolerate any negative C.S. Okay. Lewis talk at
3: this. I time. love C.S. Lewis. I have his Christian theology at home. It was willed to me by a woman in my church who died. Anyway, that's a different story.
1: T- okay, well, <laughs> uh, I, I started like uh, again the the hippie thing. That aspect yeah, definitely sure. took hold. There was a pipe. There were three different swords. There was an assortment of pre-rolls and shit. Well, Peter Jackson
3: was a hippie, and so he put that in the movies too. Oh, yeah. But, hey, uh,
1: I think it's better for
3: it, by the way. And it's very clear in the books that it's referring to a form of tobacco, Uh and it's very clear in the movies that Peter Jackson's like, no, they're smoking the the good kush.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely more interesting. (laughs) There was a point where I took two different kind of gummies, and I was like, I felt – My fear was that I would become tired where I really wanted to watch these movies. But I I started feeling like actual like hallucinations. I was like, well, and again, if you're a child, know that there are no like purple elephants or anything. I've never done it. I've never done fentanyl though or anything strong. Fentanyl's not a hallucination. I (laughs) know. But I'm just saying like where you can like disconnect, you know, you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't care about anything anymore. Sure. Like I've never done anything like that, but the colors were getting weird. And I'm like, oh, this is from THC. You you never took shrooms or acid? I did. And I, I started- venturing down there and i'm like oh i need to come back sure sure so i drink a lot of coffee too which is honestly what i think fucked me up today
3: yeah you want to have a psychedelic uh, experience where your heart is beating super fast oh yeah that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> that, yeah that was 12 hours of it you're gonna go you're, you're you're gonna go to mordor with that shit i'll tell you also what.
1: best fucking food ever by the way if you're gonna do a hobbit party also sean leaned over and was like, hey the hobbit hole that's kind of what i'm doing here and i looked around and i'm like oh the Viking aesthetic does really match well with like the wood lining. Very cozy. I, this is where my brain was. And I loved it. Um, Oksana, we're moving into
3: a hill. I like it way. when people do a theme party. It's Cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I did. And that's why I'm tired. What? <laughs> you didn't awesome. answer my, my one question. What was your question? Were people on their phones throughout the movie?
1: Uh, on and off. Mostly Oksana. I'll throw her out there because we were uh, juggling childcare. Well, that's different. Which again, <laughs> as the good parent, she did leave. Yeah, halfway into Two Towers, I think. I think sit in the back, oh. if you're going to be on your phone. Also, your mic is on, Oksana. if you want to talk. Yeah. She almost halfway. she uh, was getting a little emotional during the fellowship. Left before the towers fell, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect time. <term. laughs> well, one falls, I think. Cirith goal falls. Fellowship
3: right? is the best one of the books at least, I think.
1: I think I like the movie. What, I, what about you,
0: Clark? You like Have you ever seen any of these movies? <sighs> I was coming back from a ski trip in Colorado, <laughs> let's call it the winter of 2004, and I believe The Two Towers were, was playing on the television, and I fell into a rim cycle sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the only time I have been subjected to any of this
3: nonsense. But you're a big C.S. Lewis fan. Sure. Yeah, Narnia, who doesn't love it. Narnia no.
0: great.
3: great. <laughs> Dawn Treader
0: screw
3: tapes you yeah, know yeah oh, some oh fun wow stuff. he's into the 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 other c.s. i lewis go, stuff. I go yeah. deep baby yeah. probably you
0: forget th- i'm a sheltered little christian boy <laughs> <laughs>
3: i think i think c.s. lewis is probably the coolest christian writer we've had other than maybe brandon sanderson I don't what's the
0: book where uh there's a no bus idea. going to hell
3: it's the the great divorce that's the one it's a great book Yep. yeah
0: i got that in yeah. the
3: room and that's one where he talks. Really? About yeah. <laughs> he, he does a good job of describing hell not as an eternal torture chamber, but as a boring city with people who don't have enough ambition to get to heaven. Basically. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that is
0: how I've chosen to live my life. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I ate up all that time. I can't help it. This hell is what happens when you, put, Bain, California. when you put Nick in a
0: room with me, this is what you're going to get.
3: I'm going to stay all out right. of
0: it. For well, a second. before we, we kick off, uh, on this Tuesday episode, uh, with Nick, uh, we are going to, this is the Nick Nordlinger week, ladies mm. and gentlemen. So he'll be back for Thursday's episode. So we're going to kind of record this in one fell swoop and break it up nice and even for you. So, uh, we'll have our normal Tuesday episode here and then, uh, more to come with Nick on his current project yes. on Thursday. Yes. All right. Excited exactly. so to talk about
1: that too. Uh, All right. Well, uh, let's just let's just bring in David Lynch and get this it. thing rolling, okay? Nice. All right. And then Nick, I told you before, do not fucking embarrass us. We're already on thin ice. <laughs> hey, He's not hey. happy. This is this is big talent coming in. Yeah. Well, he's not happy with uh, unnamed footage fest. I think he got overshadowed Can I just by, ask uh,
3: him what Mulholland Drive really means? No. Oh
1: god. <laughs> Actually, if if we're going by he does deliver us notes every day and in them on the top one is do not make eye contact. So okay. just follow Clark and I'm, stare I'm at the table. Slip him a note. Just okay. <laughs> you fucking better not or you're
4: going to be living with Randy on the other side of the goddamn country. All right, bring him in. Good morning. It's December 17, 2023, and it's a Sunday. Day two of weekend projects, and the fun work train is rolling. Today, I'm using PTO, but I wanted to stop by and say happy holidays and also plug a secret unnamed footage festival thing going down Friday. I was told not to say anything and that this event wouldn't be advertised, but they pay me next to nothing, and I need eyes if I'll be dancing for your entertainment. And today, in one of the contemplation cars... I'll be thinking about ventriloquist Edgar Bergen and dummy Charlie McCarthy, first appearing on the Rudy Vallée's program in 1936. Their initial appearance was so successful that the following year, they were given regular cast roles as part of The Chase and Sanborn Hour. Everyone, have a great day. Thanks,
3: David. I'm surprised he acknowledged the holidays. He's a dick.
4: David (laughs)
1: David
0: putting in PTO? Yeah, well, Randy did it for a month. We have to offer him some.
3: He was low energy. Yeah, but
0: today. I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume, and Randy, no offense this, but I'm assuming David is accruing more PTO <laughs> at this rate than Randy is. I don't know. I, I to a, break I it got all got unlimited, baby. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, is... From us? <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, there we ain't, ain't no got baby. the budget for unlimited PTO <laughs> over here. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he was low energy. Dude, he's dying.
3: Oh, he's God. like 97. It's gonna old. be a really sad day for me. I just I've been waiting to get the Twin Peaks tattoo until after he's gone because I want to make sure he doesn't get canceled before he. <laughs> 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 for
1: what? I mean,
3: I don't think he will. He like a lot of other people signed that letter for Roman Polanski, but so did everybody. And and he has had seven marriages. So I just want to make sure. And every actress who's worked with him says he's fucking awesome and he's an angel. But I just want to make sure because I know so many people with J.K. Rowling tattoos. I know so many people with. But
1: you just got all his Blu rays right next to the garbage. Yeah. You're like, once the tweet comes out, I'm just. I'm,
3: I'll still watch them, but I don't <laughs> want to be having a, a Black Lodge Dale Cooper coffee cup on my shoulder and be like, yeah, I know, I know. It's a shame about all the. You know. So I'm just waiting.
0: Well, how do you think I feel about my, the giant Bill Cosby tattoo I have on my back? Yeah. I've. Meaning to bring that up, <laughs> you know, right under it's the Confederate flag. You know, that was a dark day
3: too. I mean, wait, they just got canceled. I, yeah, so. So. wow.
1: Yeah, it might be way after
3: he's dead. Well, I lo- I think now it's safe for me to get a Kentaro Murata tattoo, which is a shame because that was a real tragedy. But uh, you know, I've been a Berserk fan for years and. um and uh, yeah. he's, I'll tell you the one that I'm not going to get. Into he's canceled not canceled. Right? I'm not getting into. OK, okay. no. Kintaro is a hero and rest in peace. And Berserk is the best. The one I literally the first thing I ever wrote under the cinematic oblivion moniker was an article titled Shion Sono is the greatest director alive. Uh-huh. That was the first headline I ever wrote. And
0: yeah, Brett Ratner. Bert Ratner. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Shion Sono is I stand by it as a quality of film goes, but he's he's there there are talks now of him being a, a monster. So I'm I'm devastated. And
1: we're all monsters, it's just <laughs> who gets found out. Me never to <laughs> so go ahead and get the tattoo.
0: <laughs> well, let's go over to Atlanta, Georgia to our favorite little monster over there, Randy Michaelstead. <laughs> Hell yeah. Master of the Segway. Calling from the the COVID couch as we call it. Randy, uh how you feeling? Uh mostly good. Got a little
2: bit of uh, you know, just congestion and stuff, but Mostly fine. I don't know. I've just been uh, isolating. I think they're supposed to say, they they say that you're supposed to do 10 days from whenever the onset was. So I think I'm at 10 now. So I've just been uh, doing what I hate to do and paying for food deliveries and uh, just hanging out.
3: What are the symptoms with the, what is it, Zeta, Omega Thread, Omega Strain? What, what, are, you, <laughs> what are the I symptoms now? I, I, I don't know what I have, but uh,
2: I, I was feverish <laughs> for like three and a half, four days maybe. And then once that went away, I kind of have like a lingering cough that will show up every, I don't know, once an hour or something like that, or once every couple hours. But that's kind I of about feel, it.
3: I hope you feel better, man. You seem sharp. You don't seem like you have any brain fog or anything.
2: Thanks, and I haven't uh, lost taste or smell either, Uh, so I'm chilling.
0: Now, before we get into uh, what Randy Michael, uh, what his movie offerings are this week, um, I have to share this with uh, the community at large because uh, I am concerned about our dear friend Randy. uh, Based upon a text message that I received from Randy at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard (laughs) Time, Uh, which is nine thirty uh Eastern time. So it's, you know, yeah, well, well within weird. reason for everyone. Yeah. Um, but the message, uh, I'll go ahead and and read the message for That way I don't um I I don't cast any aspersions here. But uh <clears throat> Today at six thirty AM from Randy Michael Stad. Dead bird number two <laughs> since living here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Russell, a second bird. Holy has flo- and now, Randy, that, that's all the information. I, I, I haven't talked to you about it because I wanted to save it for the show. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as a refresher for our listeners and for, and for our guests here, um, about a year ago, you had a bird fly into your house and died. And we all that's kn- right. thought that, that was an immediate bad omen. Um, now, when I visited you a few weeks ago, I did not burn sage to sort of um, sort of, you know, save yourself from that. So uh-huh. I, I'll take that on me. But since then, you've had another bird death. Yeah, I, I
2: actually didn't hear the uh, the incident this time, but I was uh, looking out on my porch uh, this morning and I saw I saw one had apparently ran into the window and was just laying there. So, yeah, second one. What, the one second year. bird death.
3: Uh, Randy, does your house happen to be cyan blue or cloud colored?
2: Uh, No. <laughs>
3: It, made it, glass. it is uh you know there, <laughs>
2: there there is a lot of trees and a lot of uh you know it's kind of nature-y and uh I don't know I guess every once in a while a, a little bird will get confused or something and my my uh, shutters were closed too so I thought that would like you know prevent that from happening but
3: uh apparently not it could be a sign of the end times
1: I think it's aliens, dude. I told you, that's the trope for alien movies is dead birds.
3: It's the it's the birds. Literally, yeah. it's the first thing that happens in the birds. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, hmm. hey, they I'm just look at this. you for an hour before they do anything in the birds.
0: All right, well, we now can <laughs> confirm that Randy's living at ground zero for the impending <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah. Well, what do you think it is? A Ouija board? I'm telling you, I think it was about a year when the first bird hit the glass.
3: Yeah. So it's a Christmas tradition.
0: I, <laughs> I like that I too. Like, Ooh, crampoos. <laughs> yeah. You know that the day after
3: Christmas in Ireland is called Wren Day and they would traditionally kill a wren, which is a type of bird, and then parade it from house to house expecting money. So, oh, uh, Randy. Something, something there. Is that, related that to, is that related Redfield. to Boxing Day? Yeah, same day. Same day as Boxing Day.
0: Interesting, but you two know. isolated separate, events. Well,
3: you know the Brits—the Brits mixed their version of Black Friday with an Irish tradition, as they are wont to do. Yes, separate events. Those silly Brits. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess they're both about like going around and being poor and getting gifts, so they're blended in that way.
0: Well, Randy, we wish you uh, nothing but but luck and success in this. Thank you. Uh, apparently, hellscape in which you live, where <laughs> birds are transferring to their next life. Yeah.
2: No, oh, you've been. You you uh, gave the house a uh, a good rating on this podcast that I wasn't on several years. It's a years
1: wonderful ago, house. But
0: so. oh, you visited him, Clark? Yeah, it was over there. Uh, yeah, who do you think's been leaving the dead God birds? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I got an automatic
3: bird feeder. <laughs> do you live in the city proper just, or like outside of the city?
2: I technically live in Decatur, but I'm like oh, three miles from the border of Atlanta.
3: You like his neighborhood,
0: Clark? Wonderful neighborhood. Uh, very hilly. Randy, Randy lives on a very elevated uh, slope. I mean, you gotta, you got to put the car in low gear to get up that driveway. <laughs> so, I mean, especially if you're a bird, I imagine you got to turn on the, you know, the little bird jets a little more. <laughs> All right, but Randy, uh, outside of uh, Killing Wildlife, uh, what, are, yep. what else were you up to this week? Uh,
2: so, I, d- I didn't write this down in the document, but I got to, uh, while we're talking about the episode several weeks ago, I just have to clarify that I did see the movie Priscilla by Sofia Coppola and I did not care for it. Russell said that I must have loved it because it's a Coppola.
3: And, uh, <laughs> this is untrue. While you're drinking their garbage wine, you're like, oh, fancy. And you're How did like, it compare to out? the Baz Luhrmann? I mean, which Elvis do you like better?
2: I did
0: not see that because I'm not a Baz Luhrmann fan. It is, it is 100% the anti-Baz Luhrmann movie
3: <laughs> okay. in, every, sure. in
0: every conceivable way. I mean, they have, like, reverse needle drops in Priscilla. It's like this, yeah, I don't know. It's annoying. What do you mean by a reverse needle drop? So, all right, so take, for example, they play Crimson and Clover, right? They they did not get any of, because uh, the estate of Elvis was not happy with the production of of this movie. And Priscilla, uh, executive produced, so, you know, the Elvis side of things were not very happy. So they did not get any of the music licensing. But they were able to get, you know, music of the air, so they were playing Crimson and Clover, but right before it hits in that part, the song goes away. <laughs> so it's like an anti needle drop. I get what it's, you're saying. it's like it's 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 wetting your whistle for the Crimson and Clover, and then it pulls back and then we get into more, you know, teary I, I Priscilla like it. it's in like, an empty room. It's cashing
1: in on all the uh cultural baggage, but not delivering with the cringy needle
0: drop. I'm, I'm into that. I'm, you know, there's, yeah. A, yeah. I'm just saying, It's a little bit of a tease.
3: I get what you're saying though. It's the opposite. Of Baz, Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann. does these like historical figures are saints kind of movies, and then this is like he's a he's a pervert. Is that the gist of it, Randy? Eh. Is Elvis was a pervert?
2: I don't know. I mean, it's not the you know best uh, portrait of Elvis, but I don't know. He <laughs> didn't seem like that terrible uh oh. but I don't know Priscilla's <laughs> character is just like a very passive character in the movie and it makes for something that is not super interesting.
3: Oh, he's like a victim. Elvis is a victim. But oh, wait,
2: Randy, what about this didn't you like? Uh her the, the character Priscilla is just kind of boring. She's just very passive. <laughs> She's just kind of there and like things are kind of just happening. You know, it, it feels kind of biopicky, but it feels like you're just watching the just Priscilla like part of like where Elvis is like getting big yeah. and stuff like that, but you're just watching her just
1: at home. I don't know, dude. You sound kind of biopic right now. Sure, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I did see it at the AMC near me, which I feel like has terrible projection.
3: Oh, and Randy, you know what I want to know? How yeah. many kids were on their phones at AMC? <laughs> yeah, like, I, how many, I, many kids were there to remember, see Priscilla?
2: <laughs> I don't even remember how many people I saw it with. There maybe was like, I don't know, four or five other people. But uh, I think our AM, my local AMC has shitty projection. And I did feel like it probably looks a lot better than what I saw. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not really enough to go see it again. All right, Randy, out of 12. Oh, I don't know.
1: Seven. All right. All right. We first. All right. Seven. So, Nick, just in case you were wondering, that is, he gave it <laughs> 1.17 thumbs up. All right, Randy, you can move Hell on. Yeah. I, was,
3: I was wondering. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying.
2: I, uh, have been watching some long art housey movies that everybody here will love because, uh, Fuck yeah, i Yeah, I've, I've, I've I did the, too. Lord I've of the, the Rings. <laughs> yes.
1: Never Famously seen a single one. Film. Oh, see, you're, you're missing out. Just wait. Criterion will put them out eventually. I also fell asleep during the, well,
2: during the first one. And then I've never returned to any of them.
3: Wow.
1: <laughs> well, the music aren't, is really fancy
0: guys. I'm, I'm waiting for the, uh, the Guy Ritchie adaptation. Oh, tight.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I did right, see Andy, a, uh. Tell us about this boring piece of shit. <laughs> oh,
2: God. <laughs> I saw a movie from Albert Serra, which is on, uh, movie.com called Pass Fiction. It is, uh, 166 minutes, so not quite, not quite three hours. It's getting close, though. But, uh, essentially there is this, um, French government official who is uh, going to Tahiti and he's sort of like in charge of this hotel there and uh, maybe Ooh. a bunch of other CD dealings Ooh. and stuff like you've, that.
3: You've got my attention. Tahiti dealings.
2: And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, plot-wise, I, I, I can't really say much more than that besides he's this kind of shady guy who's kind of playing like the, uh, you know, he's kind of playing both sides of like trying to like be cool with the people on the island, but also getting into a lot of uh shady things
3: uh so as well the, but is it about the financial exploitation of caribbean islands that's the vibe i'm getting yeah everybody's got a sure. mortgage day. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but uh the cinematography uh in it is great it looks kind of like almost michael mann-esque at times uh oh. just like really like beautiful uh scenery and like really like pronounced like uh you know like purples and like pinks and like reds and stuff of like uh sunsets and stuff like that but uh yeah i i, I was really into it it's um like i said it's a little long
0: but Randy, r- real quick just it. just because you you mentioned michael Mann, so a, a big part of him is like everything is digital and it's like a lot of handheld stuff do, do we get yeah. a little bit of that too it feels less
2: digital for sure but i don't know it, it Kind of reminded me of some sort of I don't know some some of his frames and stuff like the color palettes yeah yeah Russ like not necessarily sim- not necessarily like neon like uh Refin but uh, yeah I somewhere in between
3: is it set now is it contemporary or is it set in the eighties I believe it's set now I'm just looking at the imagery Russ, as it pulled up and it looks it looks very Miami Vice kind of it's
2: yeah much. yeah for sure I don't think they actually ever specified time but it felt present for sure sounds good but uh, yeah I've been I've heard uh, some other movies that he's made are really good too that I haven't seen so this is the first thing that uh, I've seen from him but uh, I'm a, I'm a fan it's good
3: <clears throat>
0: three hour oh. movie
3: <laughs> uh, almost but it's set in the Caribbean so you have beautiful, beautiful scenery
0: Randy are there any titties uh, I don't remember, probably maybe. <laughs> 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 not the you worst know, answer a possible. single titty in three hours, dude. There might be, I think there is. On just the beach? given through the like,
1: I mean, dude, there's one where a girl's covering up. I just didn't expect Randy to be like, maybe. <laughs> All
2: right, Randy oh, we're, gonna, out of 12. we're gonna go, yes. Uh, t- okay, 10, 10, out 10 out of 12,
0: 10 out of 12. All right, okay. hell yeah. Randy's drunk stuff. today,
1: apparently. It's <laughs> <laughs> the highest rating he's ever That's given right, anything. do uh, yeah. <laughs> drinking now. a beer right now.
2: Hey, now.
0: Hell yeah. All right, what else you got, back? Beth- good
2: for COVID. <laughs> uh, I watched a 143-minute film. Oh, no. <laughs> which is uh, premiering on the Criterion channel called Godland, directed by a man whose name I cannot pronounce. But uh yep. essentially the plot is in the late 19th century a young Danish priest travels to a remote part of Iceland to build a church and photograph its people but the deeper he goes into the unforgiving landscape the more he strays from his purpose the mission and morality Ooh that uh, sounds
3: fucking awesome I Randy I'm I want to watch both of these
1: Hell yeah uh I like the yeah this is <laughs>
3: This is another. Brandi, he
1: meant that. I know you're used to me and Clark, but he's really excited. I mean it. No, these are both movies
3: that take place on cool islands. It does look cool.
2: It's uh, it's shot in uh four by three, and it has like the rounded edges, like uh, you know, a ghost story type of thing, and it's very beautiful. It looks uh, incredibly like it looks incredibly cold and brutal as you're like following this guy on his uh, on his trip and his exploration. You could tell that nature just really beats the shit out of him like really early on into this trip. But, uh, you know, he he can't really go back. So he must sort of continue and sort of just just keep trucking along. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, another beautiful movie that really doesn't have like, I mean, that's kind of the plot is that this dude goes on this trip and is like f- sort of faced by nature. Is it sort uh, of first reform vibes
3: philosophically?
2: Uh, not so much. No, there's definitely like, some, you know, colonialism, like, uh, you know, stuff in there, but not a lot of, like, First Reformed sort of, like, uh, anxiety of, you know, climate change and stuff.
3: Seems like you like to watch movies that have a lot of shot-on-location beauty to them. Like, we filmed it here, and it's a lot of the nature, and it's a lot of nature-as-a-character stuff.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, And, yeah, like I said, this you definitely feel, like, you're with this dude. It feels cold. It feels isolating, uh, and brutal. I don't know where they shot it or like sort of you know how they shot it, but uh, it 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 feels
0: legit for sure. Randy, right, a couple things. Uh, as Russell has always uh, got the IMDb page for me to uh, look at while you uh, so very succinctly uh, wrap up these movies. Now, uh, a couple questions here. Uh, number uh-huh. one. Uh, Aesthetic wise, it kind of looks like Inus Men. That's, I'm getting a sort of vibe out of that. True or no? Sure.
2: Yeah. I guess it, a little bit. Yeah. Although I did not love that movie, but uh, maybe
0: I need to revisit that one too. Yeah. Do a double feature with that and skin a and then jerk <laughs> off. <laughs> um, it's a part two of my question is, uh, I, I won't ask you about the tits in this movie, because based upon <laughs> what I was saying in the trailer, looks like we may have a possible male penis. I believe there is. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's a phallus.
3: So this movie is a lot like the piano then with Harvey Keitel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Male nudity.
1: Randy, I have a question. Um, if you uh-huh. love nature, why do you murder birds at your house? Hey man, you know, it just happens sometimes.
0: <laughs> What did you do with the bird? You-
1: <laughs> it goes in the trash can. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give them some figgy pudding or something. Make them holiday. Why
0: don't you bury it? That's probably how you end the curse.
1: Or well, if you <laughs> do, it could attract other uh, creatures. Yeah.
2: Russ, get your magic book out.
1: No,
0: that I Let Jordan help. I, Walsky
2: I, helped I it. did look you, this up. You did? Yeah, and they said if you bury it, because that was my first thought, is to bury it, but it said, you know, uh, you can get other uh, creatures. And <laughs> I have seen a deer in my neighborhood last once last uh, December.
0: I wouldn't doubt it. You live in a very wooded area. Was it wearing
1: a necklace of dead
2: birds? Uh, correct, yeah. And a thorns.
0: Now, Randy, here's what you do. Don't bury it at your house. Bury it at a neighbor's <laughs> oh, that, house.
1: Th- that's how you start a fucking movie. Yeah. You look outside that's- and your neighbor's burying a dead bird in your yard. That's how I yeah. get shot, dude. <laughs>
3: Yeah, this is Georgia. Fuck yeah, <laughs>
1: dude, it's worth the risk. You're just on bring the a podcast. Peach pie, bring us this damn story, Randy.
3: Take it out to Steve Harvey's Chick fil A Ranch just outside of town.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, Randy, how many stars for this uh, male penis movie? Let's go, eleven out of twelve. Whoa! All the right. dick
1: does it every time. God, what are you drinking today? It's really helping these films out. Uh, an American logger, a four point five
2: percent American logger. I
0: had a boy. Oh, nice and easy for the boys.
2: <laughs> I'm uh, nice. I'm gonna skip the last one that I wrote down because it's not even technically out yet. But you may be able to find a movie called Pictures of Ghosts uh ah. via means if you're uh on the internet. Yeah, sure. uh, it's from uh the director of Bacarau, um, ah. and it's kind of a documentary about the town that he grew up in in brazil and uh he shot many of his movies not back around but he shot neighboring sounds and aquarius uh in this neighborhood and it's kind of about how uh the neighborhood has changed a lot and there was like a big film culture um and a bunch of theaters like when he was you know growing up and uh how a lot of those things are disappearing
3: randy um, you're the man cool. for shot on location cool setting that's like that's the running theme.
2: Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. trying to go through all the uh, all the uh, end of year lists from people and going through some that are potentially boring, but uh, these ones all uh, all worked for me.
3: Real quick question, Randy: Have you seen an elephant sitting still?
2: That a riddle? I believe so. Is that the (laughs) Bagan?
1: Is that Uh, his name?
3: uh, The guy, the guy, the the guy who made one movie and then killed himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: Zach Bagan. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah i was thinking i just with all these sh- shut on location movies long movies i was thinking that must be your speed you must like that one because i like that one a lot uh,
2: yeah i feel like i may have saw it at the roxy oh
3: my god four hours at the Roxy.
2: either that or <laughs> i saw it at my house and i'm just inventing things
3: i watched that during the depths of the pandemic anyway
2: yeah i remember it being good but uh but brutal for sure
3: exactly what it is
2: all
0: right randy you want to write this one or no
2: yeah, I'll go I'll go uh
1: 10 out of 12. Okay. God damn. Randy, the, the generous Christmas Randy, spirit from Randy. 4 today. reviews 10 10 11 12. do we, we have a 12?
0: No, there was a 7.
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the 7. Yeah. Priscilla.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also Napoleon uh, gets Priscilla. a 6.
0: Dynamite. Oh, Napoleon gets a 6.
1: Yeah.
2: It's been really weeks since pretty- I've seen it, but I really did not care for Napoleon.
3: Inches, Randy was hard. Ridley Scott is so (laughs) (laughs) sweet and sour. That's all I was going to (laughs) say.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I have long stated that I feel like the wrong Scott brother died. Oh, my
3: God.
1: I I am team Tony. All the way. The only thing I can add is
0: uh, Ridley Scott Peterson. (laughs) That's the only thing I I got. Perfect. All right. Let's switch gears. Uh, Let's go straight into a Christmas double feature seen by me did i see it at the same time no i didn't but that's i'm just gonna combine them and say it's a christmas double feature and they're both kind of retreads so we're going to (laughs) kind of power through it you want to hit it yeah okay it's a russell retread all right about time i'll add I saw from the streaming service that I refuse to name. Shudder. Oh, my God, Randy. Randy.
1: <laughs> you said the name out loud. Look what happened.
0: It's a wonderful knife. Uh, Dude, oh. I was doing
1: that the whole time, too. I can't help. Especially I like during... like the poster. I don't know, that's about all you would like. <laughs> I can guarantee that. I watched a lot of Hallmark movies this season.
0: After so. saving... <laughs> Wow, that hurt. After saving her town from a psychotic killer, Winnie Carruthers' life is less than wonderful. When she, wishes, when she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe where without her, things could be much, much worse. Things can't get much, much worse than this movie. It is Stinktown. USA. So
1: it
3: sounds like it sort of is a remake of "It's a Wonderful Life" because it's about a world no, without No, no, dude. Her. So
1: I, Nick, I'm glad you're here today. Right when you when you showed up, I'm like, oh, perfect, because again, you are my brother in like trying to coin our own little niches of like sure, genre. Sure. This is a new one what that I've this? been calling slasher fusion. I don't love that, but I, I've been rolling with
3: it. What makes you define it that way?
1: Um, it's it's Happy Death Day, but a different oh. movie. Is so, it a
3: repeating and a repeating or is it alternate reality No, no, slasher? no.
1: It's it's taking an old movie that had like a unique uh, kind of time or magical premise and just mashing it with a slasher. So this it, – It's a Wonderful Life was a movie that bombed, right? Jimmy it was, Stewart. Yeah. And uh, it kind of grew because it. of TV. It kept replaying. It just kept replaying. It became a tradition. So this movie, it takes a slasher. Just here's the thing. Everything is revealed. The killer's revealed, stopped, and murders five people in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And it's like, whoa, this slasher's got a hell of a pace going. But you know what? Next year uh, on the anniversary, she kind of remembers killing the dude and everybody's kind of bummed. And she's like, well, fuck, maybe it would be better if I wasn't here. But here's the problem. She was the final girl. So when she doesn't exist, the killer was not stopped and continues killing. I think there's some mind candy there that's really interesting. They do nothing with it, and what we get is a reverse feature. The third act is opening it, and then nothing for two more what acts. You
3: just described. You just described. Frequency with Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: that's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, that is a good that's movie. That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. this is not <laughs> yeah. a good
3: movie. But like that whole movie is he accidentally didn't stop the serial killer and it changes the reality and that, yeah, uh, yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, I,
0: I, I, I don't like any of the characters. I don't like <laughs> what just. I don't like what Justin Long is doing here.
1: He's he, just being. It's like somebody was like, "Hey, you're a good bad guy. Yeah. Just play the stereotypical." It's like he does hey, nothing. He's yeah. good at
0: that. Yeah, but. Mm, yeah, but it's also like we want you to do a bit where it this is like a three-minute sketch in Saturday Night Live yeah, that does yep. not sure. end. Sure, sure. Or and, a
3: short film, maybe.
0: And it's just um, – I, I, I don't like Winnie Carruthers. Um, also
1: fucking Justin Long and Joel McHale together. You're like, oh, this
3: is like uh, – I was just thinking literally as BFFs. this morning about how Joel McHale, more than any other actor, is the guy who I feel like – is the high school bully who then got oh yeah who then became famous like like he just seems like an asshole like and, I've
1: uh, I've mentioned it on here before but I've heard from other co- comics and people in his uh, pool that he's failed a psych test for the military before and he has an avid collection of like knives. That he always, keeps growing. So, like in movies, I, I forget there was one where he was like an Afghan soldier or something. He oh had two boy. knives, what? and he's like, "Oh he, my god!"
0: He's from he's from the Pacific Northwest. He's from Seattle. <laughs> you can't trust these people. No, you can't trust these people. I mean, but- if
3: you listen to his stand up, he just sounds like a high school bully who got like stand popular. up. He did a stand up routine in San Jose, and he talked about how like he has trained his son to go around and like bully his comedy friends. And he's like, "I taught my oh, son how to, be, how to roast all my friends." And- tell him oh, i have a bigger house than you and he brags about being rich a lot like he just seems like he is the main character from community he is that guy you
1: know talking to the tip of that mic sorry sorry me. i'm right here oh
3: <laughs> <laughs> i'm right here but go on it's uh, true it's a no bro <laughs> what it's a wonderful knife just awful clark just no good
0: yeah i mean and also everyone is either in a gay relationship or an interracial <laughs> relationship. Is, is thing. Oh,
3: here we go. And
0: it's just, no, it's like, <laughs> I think the final girl flips too. The, no, the problem is just like, it, it, we're in this small town in like nowhere Yeah, and everyone is gorgeous and gay. It's funny. <laughs> I watched this with Terrell
1: and on Blu-ray Tuesday, which you, you all should go back and watch. He's like, you know, I don't know if I want to, he's like, you know what? I'm gay. Fuck it. And he's like, they're they pushing this down your throat. I don't think he said think that. that and it's unfortunate.
3: W- but without without criticizing woke culture, I'll say that I think that what you're getting at is also what a lot of Hallmark movies do, where it's like we're in a small town in Colorado, but like everyone is just beautiful as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is clearly LA. It's you know? part yes. <laughs>
0: it, it's sort of stealing that hallmark from it, but it just doesn't it, it just it doesn't add anything. You know, um, it, that, and they don't build on anything from that. It's just like, hey, it's included yeah. and we're not doing anything with it. So it's just kind of disappointing in that way. But like it's – the kills are not too terribly interesting. No, they're um, funny.
1: They're very Jack Frost, which I don't know if you've seen that, but I think you'd like it. And also Michael I, Keaton. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I like that one.
0: Um, and uh, he, the killer is all white. It is boring. Weird choice. I you know. know who it is the whole time, and then there's a twist, and you don't care. Um, or you still know who it is, Yeah, which was the case. With there's us. nothing. Yeah. There's nothing original here. Um, but it's, you know, if, if you want to hear the hits, you can kind of hear this cover band play them and, you know, have an, have a decent time. It's yeah. just, it sounds
3: cynical. It sounds like they made a movie thinking the audience was brain dead. No,
1: they made a movie and they didn't give a fuck about the, uh, like the genre.
3: That's what I mean, mean, though. It's like people who make horror movies who who don't like horror movies and who are like horror horror movie viewers are fucking idiots. They'll they'll eat this up. Dude,
1: uh, there's a thing I complained about in this one in the the first three kills are all like fun, but they're bad. But it's who cares? A horror fan can have fun with that. The third one, he's stabbing a girl right in front of her and then he teleports away under the floorboard and starts stabbing her through the boards with his knife. Yeah, that's how boards work. Who, who <laughs> thought this was a good idea or interesting to look at? It was goofy and dumb. Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that you watched Ugh. it and hated it, Clark. Uh, again, how many stars would you give that at 12? Five out of 12. Five. Five out of 12. Again, so we can perfectly calibrate how much you hated it. On the four-star system, you give it 1.67. Yeah,
0: That's right. That's really harsh. Stand by my man. Dude. <laughs> right. I love how you guys
1: have
3: this cheat sheet for opinions. Oh,
1: hey, shut the fuck up. Do <laughs> I'm not, not be sarcastic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, oh, I see. You don't pa- want the magic. Pairing
0: result. that with a Christmas <laughs> film, uh, th- I'm going to say this is one of the better Christmas films we have from 2015, uh, from our Lord and Savior, Sean Baker. Oh, yeah. Tangerine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought this for $5 on the iTunes. It was, uh, I saw it was a $5 buy, and I was like, you know what? It's been It's been a few years since I've revisited Tangerine. What a delight. I think you know I'm a big uh Florida project guy and um but after revisiting Tangerine, I just love everything that happened here. yeah, um you know, I think it may be my favorite movie from him, just because of of the style of this movie and the very Simple journey we are on for, uh, you know, following, uh, you know, these ladies for Christmas Eve <laughs> and uh, Cindy's Cindy's back on the block. Now, she served a little time. She served a little 30 day break um, in the county and uh, she heard that her man Chester uh, was out there two time. Now, Chester, he is a he is a procurer of uh, of women. You know, he's a pimp, Russell. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in, in Cindy is, uh, you know, works for Chester, but Chester's out there with a fish, a fish Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: slang for vagina
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: Cindy has a penis. So I'm I'm glad you're learning
1: all this now. I'm,
0: I'm, (laughs) I'm educating our listeners. Okay, good. So then finally, you know, the movie, we see Chester, uh, played by the great, um, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Here, I'll roll down.
1: Uh, Randy, just edit that out. We'll make it sound like Clark knew.
0: James James Ransom. Ransom. Of course. Of course. James Ransom. We know James Ransom. We talk about it all the time. All the time. He's been on the show. I love him. Uh, We talk about James Ransom at least three times a quarter.
1: Yeah, but usually it's just him jacking off,
0: right? Also that. He does a great job as (laughs) as the pimp in the donut shop. Um, also I think that the woman who works at the donut shop in this movie also works in the donut shop in red rocket. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's the same lady,
3: not strawberry. The old, the older
0: woman. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the Asian lady. Yeah. Um, looks man, to be the it's case, just, yeah. it's so good. Uh, it's, and also, you know, the, the entire movie takes place on Christmas Eve. Uh, it's hilarious. It's sweet. It's, uh, dirty. And uh, sad.
3: I think uh, my brother Harry put it pretty pretty well when he said that Sean Baker is sentimental, Harmony Green. And that's what these movies feel like to me. You know?
0: Yeah. You know, there's, there's heart here. Exactly. I don't know if you get a ton of heart in Gummo.
3: No, but you it, you have the same kind of reverence for underrepresented America yeah. in these movies, you know, and I like that. And then and also uh, reverence for kind of complex people, which you don't get in a lot of American movies anymore. Like, no? they, I think all the time about the, the lead character of Florida Project as such a great depiction of a struggling woman because you see the ways in which she fucks up her own life, but you also see the ways in which she's trying her best and forced into a situation she can't control. And that's what all these movies do. And then, of course, Red Rocket, you see someone who you would first like and then you watch him manipulate, you know.
0: I think my favorite thing about this is just the sort of unfiltered look of L.A. we get. Um, You know, and a lot of movies take place in L.A., but aren't photographed the way that Tangerine is. I'm not even, I mean, yes, I guess I'm sort of talking about sort of the whole iPhone thing because that was a big part of this movie is like, oh, this is the iPhone movie. Um, And, you know, we sort of get, Um, That sort of, uh, you know, boots on the ground, active camera sort of thing that really only an iPhone can capture. But it just everything feels very real. And I think the majority of the actors in this movie are real people. And that certainly, you know, like I like the guy working at the club that the the girl wants to go sing and she's trying to you know, she's been handing out flyers all day for people to go hear her sing and turns out that she paid to go get some, you know, to, to people to hear her sing and nobody showed up and um oh I didn't know Clue Gallagher was in this. What? Scroll down. Look at that. The Cherokee. What the fuck was he? <laughs> I have <laughs> I no I idea that. Uh he did a short film I like. I think it's called The Boys or something. It doesn't matter. All right. Uh Tangerine. Isn't, isn't he part of the feast family? Uh, he's the more Gallagher's like, he's more yeah. of a famine guy. <laughs> okay. Uh Tangerine is nothing but twelve stars, and I will yeah. uh settle for nothing about that. You hear that, Randy? I will uh if you say if it's eleven Agreed. stars, I'm not gonna accept it. It's twelve stars.
1: Damn, right before Tangerine, he did Piranha 3DD. Also 12 stars. A movie that definitely has a couple <laughs> of nipples in them, Clark, if you want to check that out later.
3: you know I, like a couple I of actually things. watched that movie recently. And it sucks.
1: <laughs> I actually watched it recently, and I think it's fucking... <laughs> right. Actually, I don't know if I did. I know I own it in 3D, but I don't know if I've ever actually watched it's it. Russell,
0: it's... it's time for you to hit the queue. I think you know what it is.
1: Um, is it relating to you or to me?
0: guitar uh-huh. that's right boys and girls I finally saw this movie I didn't get to see it in the theater and then I, it was up for rental and I was like you know what I'm going to rent it but yesterday it came on Netflix and I'm like you know what I'm never going to have to pay for it so here we go oh <laughs> my god! finally I was able to see Gran Turismo from director Neil Blomkamp Neil Breen Neil Breen Blomkamp. <laughs> I, I would love was Eastwood. This is not <laughs> Gran Torino. This is a video game movie. Now, I mean, I, look, I'm just keeping up with the trends. This year, I have talked about the Beanie Baby movie. I've talked about the the Blackberry, Air, the Blackberry, Air, dumb Nikes, Dup GameStop. All these fucking shitty business ventures. Now you're... we got PlayStation games, oh, baby. Oh well, this is based on the real story. Of uh, a guy who's actually, I think he's still racing now, got his start because uh, an executive for uh, Nissan was like, we're going to take these Gran Turismo drivers and turn them into real. We're going to take the top Gran Turismo gamers and turn them into real race car drivers. Oh, it's like Ender's Game, but (laughs) boring. Yeah, (laughs) but and it actually happened. Um, So did it work? It did. Uh, The guy ended, he uh, did kill someone. Oh as <laughs> they like go into game. the movie. Yeah, when he, Taylor Swift's concert? When he was, when he was racing at Nürburgring uh, in Germany. Uh, there's a part there to where I, I forget what they call it, but basically in those particular race cars and a lot of race cars, you want to have uh very very high downforce. And what downforce is, it's it's basically forcing all the weight in the car you want to kind of have like a suction between you and the road. Mm-hmm. You want to keep as low to the ground as possible. Like with Formula One, essentially they they have such a strong downforce. Is if you turn them loose in a tunnel, they could go underneath, upside down in the tunnel, and they would stick on top, just because of the downforce that's happening there. So what happened is that you know there's a tremendous amount of downforce in these cars, but there's a there's a little hump. In the road, and air, and just the way that um, the wind was blowing that day, it picked up the front end of the car, and he flew, and he flew into the grandstands, and he killed a spectator.
1: Oh, oh God, Final Destination! Spectator. It came true. So that's,
0: I mean, that is a third act, <laughs> another three D movie. Here. It does turn a little Final <laughs> Destination. Oh, um, look, man, it's hitting all the the major Hollywood hallmarks here. Uh, David Harbour's good. You know, he's just. Um, He's just good on camera, and he plays sort of the. Uh, there's always going to be the the old drunk looking for redemption, and that's his character. It's like you know he he uh, he wrecked um, when he was driving in Le Mans, and never recovered, and then started being a mechanic, and then Orlando Bloom plays the uh, executive for Nissan. He's like, I need you back. I need you to run this team. That's my boy from the marathon. He's Orlando like, Lee. I can't do it anymore. I quit. He's like, I need ya. So, you. So know, yeah, we we get all the the, the, the hallmarks here. But, um, but competently done. You liked it. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, are they? Are we doing anything new here? No. There's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense uh, CG that's happening. Um, there are several moments to where like he's in the race car, and then they digitally do it to where like he's back in his house and he's racing. And there's like, hey, you remember that he's a gamer, but now he's in a real car, and then we kind of go back and forth. And it's like, uh-huh. okay, I get it. I don't know. It's, I just feel like you know we're we're doing cute things for you know, no people's sake. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of you know decent racing here, and uh, the kid is he lacks charisma or charm. And his uh, the, the, they spend way too. This is a two hour and twelve minute movie. They spend about thirty minutes on this romance. That is a zero, Damn. <laughs> a zero. Too bad. I mean, <laughs> she ain't even cute.
1: Two twenty wasting his time. Two twenty minutes, dude. Add another forty, and Randy will watch it. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Give me
2: some oh my more God, static shots long. that go on for too long, but I'm down. This
3: movie's <laughs> this movie's two hours and twenty minutes. This racing movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First, <laughs> of all,
0: this is not Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. <laughs> it's we're not at that level of greatness. So. Okay. But uh, it's fine.
3: I know I could never convince Clark or Randy to watch an anime, but uh, there's hey
0: a- he has before he watched I, Redline. I'm, I'm a, I'm, he watched Redline. That's what I was gonna bring up. Okay. I was yeah. gonna say Redline. I have seen two anime movies. Redline. What's the other one you think I've seen? Akira. No. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> <You> <laughs> could guess Who's it, he no. hanging out with?
3: Oh. Watched, uh, what would I, I show with him? Russell? With,
1: uh, I I think it, I talked over Randy so he couldn't
3: hear you. It, it's not. Okay, so it, uh, heavy metal does not count as an anime. That's what you meant. That's I've a, seen heavy metal. Heavy, well, heavy metal. We count that. Heavy metal. Red Line is what I was going to recommend based on this movie. And then you, uh, probably one of the Miyazakis, maybe? One of the, no. Should, should I give him the
1: name? God
0: it's, damn tell it. Tell me. Tell it's them. a it's a Kon. This is Satoshi Kon. Sh- oh. Satoshikan. So
3: perfect blue. yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic movie. Love yeah. it. It's a great one. Yeah, great movie. In some countries, I just Miyazaki, you what I, the hell? Those are good movies too. I watching hurt. the boy
1: and the heroine. That's the, <laughs> the boy and the heroine. Yeah,
3: <laughs> that's uh, that's the gateway drug for most people to anime. They're like, oh, I love. That's a, hero. a movie. I, I thought you were talking about the city, Princess Mononoke. It's at the
0: bubble. Oh, all the time.
3: And then someone tries to show them, you know, Wicked City, and they're like, the fuck is this shit? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't, I
0: don't, see, I don't, I don't care about that. It's it, uh, Red
3: though. You must have like that, right? It's a good. It,
1: it was uh, very
0: movie. busy.
3: Yeah, I agree. It was a little too busy it's for me as well for two hours. The Love opening it, sequence of that is probably one of the coolest racing oh, fuck, sequences yeah. I've seen in a movie. Also, it's, it
1: feels like it's got heavy metal in the DNA. Yeah. Like it's it's flowing through there. I, I really like that movie. It's great, but it's it's a lot. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a lot, a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why I, you know, you yin and yang it with perfect blue. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty much just a regular movie. And I think but for anime. your next
3: anime, I'm gonna recommend Midori. Don't look anything about it up.
0: Just it does me. it have less rape than perfect blue?
3: No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. all right
1: all right do you all done my turn uh, uh what well, we have our guest it's his
3: turn Aww. you, go, you go first russ i'll take a bathroom break
1: no oh wow dude you are you randy <laughs> he would already leave no no nick please go peed.
3: okay okay he already blew. um remind me what i'm talking about i will start with uh the uh, your last uh, no let's start with um the talking about no yeah let's do it let's talk about lord of misrule for a quick sec yeah. yeah. Now Billy you be Brent. fucking
1: careful. We just had Billy Brent I on here. I heard
3: your interview with Billy Brent. I got nothing for, but respect for the guy. And I'm going to start by saying that I think people should watch this movie. I think it's I think it's a it's a good seasonal watch. I would say it's actually a little late for a seasonal watch because it's more of a fall feeling yeah. movie to me. Yeah. Um and I will say that I think we've seen a real renaissance of the folk horror film in the past decade. We've had I mean it's got in- Innocent is the guy's name from The Witch. It's got it's got our guy from yeah. The Witch. We've had Midsummer, of course, all the, you know, Lighthouse and all that kind of stuff and um, Ennis, Main and all that, all that stuff. I think that I like the folk horror resurgence. And in the first 10 minutes of this movie, I said, hell yeah, I'm so excited. And the main takeaway I have from it, I'm happy to say, is the same thing that I heard Billy Brent say on your interview that he took away from it when he read the screenplay he said what a great opening 10 minutes that sets up everything in a way that really is attractive and interesting and i agree and then the coolest thing that he also really liked that i identified with was the masks especially the lord of misrule mask itself um i was immediately like dude i fucking want that because i've been super into like traditional Christmas, traditional, uh, pagan celebrations of stuff and costumery and stuff. For example, this last two years, I've been really into watching the musical of a Christmas Carol called Scrooge. And they have the best ghost of Christmas present who's this guy in this green robe who wears this holly crown. He has this giant goblet. And that motivated me to get a holly crown. So when I first saw this movie, I was like, I need that Lord of Misrule mask. It is fucking awesome. I want to show up to the party dressed like you said, punch from like, Hey, remind me of punch. yeah. Yeah. I want the Lord of Misrule hat. The problem I had, and I realized this isn't really Billy Brent's fault because this goes back to the Wicker Man. And we said that the Wicker Man is what it's sort of based on, right? Uh, If you think about the plot of the Wicker Man without really, you know, spoiling it too much, it also does sort of a Lord of Misrule thing based on what Billy Brent – it was surprising to me that he said in the interview that he knew historically what the Lord of Misrule was and then kind of chose not to do it because here's what I mean is that – the Lord of Misrule, going back to potentially Saturnalia in Rome, where they would elevate someone to king for a month and then kill them at the end for the god Saturn, for Saturnalia. That's the sacrificial one. More recently, in the past couple hundred years, in Tudor England, they were on like a farm of peasants, they would all eat a cake, like a Christmas panettone, and there would be like one pea in it, like a hard pea. And whoever got it would be like, I got the pea. I got a hard pea. <laughs> And then Clark would have been deemed Lord of misrule (laughs) for 12 days. They'd given him a, they'd give him a felt crown. He would have to lead all the songs and he would like get all the drinks and uh, maybe dance with the pretty girls and all that. And he'd be King for a day. And you know, like to to kind of sum up what the concept is, one of the classic Scottish symbols of Lord of misrule or what they call the abbot of unreason would Uh be a a hare riding on top of a hunting dog. So it's a reversal of the power structure. Okay. So you make a, a servant, a King and, um, what they did in the movie Lord of Misrule was more like a harvest king or more like a hay king. It didn't really – it wasn't like they took like the lowliest person in town and made him king for a week. You know, they took yeah. a creepy guy in town and gave him a, a mask. And so I'm always a little annoyed. But that goes to Midsommar too because in Midsommar, it's supposed to – the name of the movie is Midsommar, which is the summer solstice. Yeah. And they make her the May Queen. Midsummer is in June. The May Queen would have been a thing in May Day. And all I'm saying is, is that – and I'm kind of criticizing all of folk horror – They've got all the pagan shit blended together and mixed up in a way where they don't even care.
1: But then, Hold on. on. Let me stop you there because I think that's interesting. I think it's the problem that fantasy movies have where you're like there's a lot of context people need or they need to understand something. And we're trying to make money here. I'm not trying to teach them shit. So how do we blend it all together and make it like – just swallow it and understand.
3: But that's why people like Robert Egger's movies. I know you're not understanding but that's why they like No, no,
1: I am eggs over ass.
3: Because <laughs> well, all be- day. Well, because Robert Eggers, he's like, I'm gonna give you some really historically accurate shit. And it's not I mean, a historian right now is saying, What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But like close enough to where it evokes like, I'm really gonna get into like what Vikings did to some extent. I'm gonna give you what Puritans said and what they mm-hmm. believed. I'm not gonna do the blended version. And I knew when I realized that Billy Brent did Stay Alive in 2006, which I talked about on October Boys, in Stay Alive, we all know that uh, Elizabeth Bathory, I believe she was Hungarian, right? Um, Hungarian bloody countess who used to uh, kill people and bathe in their blood. And in Stay Alive, it's all about them playing a Bathory video game. And without any concern for people who might know about the real Bathory, they were like, yeah, she lived on a mansion in New Orleans. And so this like famous, almost medieval – historical figure, I don't know the exact period she lived in, uh, is instead <laughs> recast as an, uh, like an, a grande dame in a New Orleans yeah. mansion. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, I think he plays with those ideas. Like, fuck it, I'll blend it up. I don't give a shit. Elizabeth Bathory lived in New Orleans. Who cares? And then The Lord of Misrule, I was, I was guess disappointed because I was like, a Christmas horror movie. This mm-hmm. should be a Christmas horror movie. And I see in the title a real, since I just learned about the idea of like make the servant king for 12 days, that's a concept right there, almost like the Purge, where you take like the lowliest person yep, in a yep. town, you give them unfettered power, and they kind of go mad with it for twelve yeah. days during winter when like the town is cut off from the rest of the world. That's perfect. And instead, it, you, it we got sort of a, a wicker man.
1: I, you know, I kept imagining when you were describing the Lord of Misrule that there was like a another version of the film that was like low budget because that's the real problem sure. is to make these fantasy movies or folklore. You need production value. Yeah, yeah. And I just kept imagining what if it was like George Costanza <laughs> And he's like depressed, but they're like, dude, you could be Lord of Misrule and then you die. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's a good way to go out. Festivus the game? <laughs> yeah, but then I started imagining what if it was just Clark. And at the end, like the last day when they're like, "All right, are you ready? Like you get to die now." And it's culturally acceptable. But it's like you're packing and they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm leaving. I'm not going to die." Yeah. You know like that's the movie. I'm into that. I think uh, we're taking money now. We're going to need a Kickstarter. And yes, Clark will be nude. He will keep up the streak of five TV, five film appearances. Keep always going, nude. Bro. always oh, nice.
3: nude. Anyway, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to say anything bad other than to say, uh, I also think, I think people should check it out. Um, I just, I want, I wanted it to be set in winter.
1: Look, I appreciate you thinking that uh, Billy Brent is our best friend because we just had him I'm on. just
3: respectful. And we are, we are his <laughs> best friend now.
1: But I think he even addressed the problem that he has a, a filmography full of movies that people have watched, but they have no idea who directed it. Sure. And he's... Until know. they
0: listen to the
1: Overlook.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I do think people should watch it. I also think, though, that, like, uh, uh, it he showed promise in the costume design, and, and that's what I'm taking the most away from the movie is the Gallagod costume was really cool. The Lord yeah. of Misrule costume was really cool.
1: I also like the like, what was it? I would keep on to call it the Black Lodge, the Black Barn. Black Barn.
3: I know why you want to keep calling it Black Lodge because that was what I thought of too. This like floating liminal space, black space. Yeah, it's Twin Peaks borrowed a little, it borrowed a little from Twin Peaks too. And that, okay, not to spoil anything, but when you get the (laughs) actual pagan god appearing. Yeah. Not bad not bad kind of dug the like heft and weight of the figure mm-hmm. like like i the breathing and you get close to him and i like that sort of cosmic like um what if a pagan god was real like physically real right in front of you i like that uh, when it's done well there uh, you know like um Imagine the the Egyptian god Ra, like a bird headed man, was yeah. like standing next to you. Like that's that's a good concept. I I like it when they go that direction with it. Sorry, spoiled it, but um, <laughs> it's fine.
1: <laughs> but, the Wicker Man does not deliver. Also, you know, I always think about uh, Cthulhu
3: because Cthulhu? they always they always yeah.
1: describe him as taking up the horizon.
3: I know, I know. And that. I'm like,
1: fuck, dude, that would be.
3: I still love the original Wicker Man, but I know what you mean. They don't have a monster reveal, but it's very, very pagan vibes and very – it's a sexy movie more Dude, than anything else. In that
1: interview, Billy Brent was talking about how he didn't like the remake with Nicolas Cage. Of course yeah. not. And I remember – you know, the thing is when you watch him back to back, the thing that that remake does is Nicolas Cage will show up and if you're very calibrated to the original, he kind of is cathartic because he's mean to everybody. He's like shut the fuck up, like and you know honestly, it's kind of justifying what they do to him. Yeah. But as an audience member, it's like yeah, punish these people a little bit, please. How to get burned? How to get burnt? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> what annoys me though is that anytime I bring up that I like the seventies Wicker Man, people are like that Nicholas Cage movie. It's like it's no. completely, <laughs> it's completely eclipsed the original. Anyway, we can move on. So uh, the-
0: how many stars out of twelve? Yeah, dude. Oh, dude. Do I
3: have to? Yes, you do. Yeah. twelve. Uh, Five or six.
0: There's no half either. Five uh, or six. Yeah. Okay. Right, we'll, we'll give you. Uh, Use your imagination. I yeah, yeah. I'll say six. All right. Great. It's a International Inverse Day, so you give it a nine.
3: <laughs> Dude, see,
0: so if it's one thumb
1: up, the thing about the twelve stars is that when you tell people it's eh, six stars, yeah. they're like, "Oh, you loved it."
0: Yeah. I know. So
3: even if you hated a movie, it's still probably. I didn't like hate it. Four. I thought it was. Um, I will say. I will say it was wildly uneven. And now that we're now that you're making me rate it, I'm gonna say excellent first act okay like really good first act and then uh by the end i was like man i wish i wish it had been a little more what i wanted it to be
0: all right so 69 out of 12 (laughs) all right
3: (laughs) all right next up on my sketchy what was i going to talk about oh let's talk about uh when evil lurks you guys see this one yeah now this one this one might have been the best movie of 2023 the best horror movie of 2023 am i missing something is there something i'm not thinking of I've probably. to don't
1: don't bring this shit up because then it's going to turn into lookies talk, and I'm not even thinking okay. about that yet. Forget
3: it, forget it. Forget I'm not even fucking
1: thinking friend, about it. The lookies
0: are nice. It's December, dude. Oh yeah, you God, should be thinking about it. It's Nobody December, cares. you're with an October boy.
3: Okay, this movie, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if an October boy is annoyed that the movie that was set in August, uh, it wasn't set in December, you know, I'm, and that's the other thing is. I'm sorry, last thing on Lord of Misrule. It was very clearly based on Lunasa, which is an August 1st festival. Dude, that's what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> I was like, this is fucking Lunasa. August <laughs> Underground first. <Yeah. laughs> so, when Evil lurks... Based is, in
3: December. This is a, what, Chilean or Argentinian movie? What is it? Ch- Argentinian, Chilean? I think oh. it was Chilean. Yeah, well, I thought
0: it was filmed in South Central Los Angeles.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this movie was... I'm trying to ...so unbelievably immersive. I, <laughs> I, uh... What, you don't think it was immersive? No, no, I'll find (laughs) it. I I just
1: realized you're trying to talk about him I'm over here scrolling to the bottom of IMDB. I think he's
3: Argentinian. I think it might be Argentinian, yeah. I do think so. Because the guy made that. Yeah, I think it is. But it takes place in rural, rural Argentina. This is not a Buenos Aires movie. It is so immersive because it is so good at the opening scene. You are thrust into this world where demons are real. And not only are demons real, but demons are like, something people have to think about the way that farmers think about crop blight or raccoons or disease or COVID or anything like it's a very practical consideration of this world. It's not something that they take lightly, but it is something that it's like, okay, we've got a demon presence in this town and it's treated so seriously that you are immediately forced to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And it's treated practically too, where they're like, okay, we have, they call it a rotten, right? They keep saying we have a rotten in town and then, you know, very early on, it starts to play with your expectations where they visit a woman and they're like, why did you have someone visiting? She's like, I need someone to kill my son. And then you meet her son and he's just, he's fucked up. He's and rotten. He's, he's, yeah. he's, rotten he's, he's, he's rotten. And then from there, just to give the briefest premise, um, basically you discover that the rotten, as soon as the person who's possessed is killed, you give the rotten full license to just body jump as much as they want to. And so this demon can kind of hop and hop and hop from person to animal to kid to this, to that. And the demon wants it's, uh, it wants to do as much damage as it can on a psychological, as well as a physical level. And it's just some of the imagery in this movie is truly horrifying. And I think it was about 30 minutes into the movie when there's this really good, almost like safty esque scene where there's a lot of noises going on, where Mm -hmm. he's trying to tell his ex-wife to let him take the kids, and you see this enormous dog, and you just know what's coming, and you're like, oh, God, oh, God. And then when it pops off, I remember for the first time in a long time feeling like a genuine sense of like – horror you know a genuine sense of like oh no and i remember someone like interrupted me while i was in the middle of watching it and i was for the first time in a long time like i don't want to pause this movie like i'm annoyed that someone is trying to talk to me that's good yeah it was great it was just excellent just so good and when they get into like sort of some of the demon theory oh my god so i don't know what do you guys
0: think of this one i love killing kids (laughs) So this one, uh, you know, Flip checks those
3: boxes. Clark is saying this to a room full of new parents. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: it's funny, Nick. Um,
1: congratulations, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, thanks. It immediately hit me that now that you've you've flipped, like yeah. you've entered the world of, you know, yeah. create. you're a god now, dude. You I created know. life. You realize how many of your friends will probably never do it, and it's like, okay, that's I'm doing a different thing. Sure. But then you start to look at, like, people your age making movies, and you're like, oh, they're not either. Yeah. And there's kind of a blatant disregard Yes, And it's like, I remember just my life prior and being like, man, kill the fucking kid. That lets me know. It's like showing a dick. You'll yeah. do anything.
3: Yeah. My, my feeling on this has evolved, not just because I had a kid, but even a little before. First of all, you're 100% right. I've become more sensitive. Uh, I, there's certain things, especially around like some of, yeah, I had a, I have a son, beautiful boy who is a month old. Um, and
1: born the same day as yeah, my yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, What yeah. the fuck,
3: dude? Birthday <laughs> twins, Cliff dude. and Dylan. Um, and uh I will say that it made me more sensitive, and especially because it was a difficult birth, and there were some moments along the way where things, you know, were scary, medically scary. Um uh not a difficult birth, a difficult pregnancy. Um, there were things along the way that were scary that like I really didn't want to expose myself to any sort of like edgy pregnant women or children depictions, which you know, edgy horror loves to do. There's a lot of them. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of that. Um here's my thinking about it, uh, and it has evolved a little. First of all, my wife is more sensitive, of course, and so I kind of vet horror movies that we watch together a little bit. It's like if there's something uh, depicting anything happening wrong to a pregnant woman or a baby, it's kind of just out at this oh, point. Oh, okay. You know? Um, I can kind of watch something like When Evil Lurks. I watched When Evil Lurks when she was in uh, third trimester, and I stomached it. You know, just fine. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's tough. Um, but I will say also that I was talking about this when I was talking to my brother because you know Harry he's his most recent comic night cruising got written up as like, and vacuum decay got written up as like the deep end of extreme horror comics. So he's always been a defender of like, go as edgy as you can. Yeah. Here's my feeling on it. People. And Oh God, I'm going to sound like a woke asshole with this. You can do whatever you want with storytelling and, and, and horror. And if your goal is to make the most horrifying thing ever, Mm -hmm. use every tool at your disposal. Nothing is off limits. As long as people in the production aren't actually being hurt. You know, every tool artistically is at your disposal. If you are a, Person without kids who constantly hurts kids in your media, <laughs> or if you are a man doll, yeah, yeah, right. Or <laughs> it's a good. It's the original. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or if you are a man. You know, Gaspar Noé is a good example. whose whose constant shock trigger is I'm going to show horrible things happening to a woman. Mm-hmm. I think you're being a little cheap. And here's what I mean: is like if you're a man who's like my thing is I show do- I show disturbing things. Equal opportunity show someone's dick get cut off. You know, like if if like Th- that's I'll what I'm yeah. i Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm saying. Is it's like well, it's easy to pick on people who aren't you. You know, like you know, it, yeah. like maybe maybe if you're really about the shock, show so show, show things that are horrifying on, or you know, go even psychological with it. Show someone getting. Uh, cuckled. <laughs> just, just something you can relate Wait, to. Hold on.
1: Now, to bring it back to When Evil Lurks, I think it was a valid use in the movie because I think that movie is kind of about like the rot being yes. just like negativity moving through
3: society. No, it's a perfect example yeah. of, of that. And we've talked about this on this podcast before. And, and I talked about this on the most recent October Boys. Disturbing, it, 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 for me, it's not about like you went too far. Yeah. It's never about that. It's about how it's utilized. And When Evil Lurks is disturbing imagery children dying, uh, horrible gore, um, people with intellectual disabilities being mm-hmm. exploited, like all these things that are taboo being done in a way that I felt fit the theme perfectly. Cause it's about a rot going through s- social settings and, yeah. And, yeah. and a rot going through your town and your world. And so it's all, it's about everything sacred and everything holy being upended, you yeah. know? Yeah. And the use of his, his son at the end was so perfect. And I just loved it. But, um, for example, I don't like, you know, the house that Jack built, because I just think it's like corny and pretentious Okay, Us- using the same kind of imagery, Randy, cover your ears <laughs> to do something corny and pretentious. Um. So, but like both movies use similar imagery and one I think is doing so in a way that is sort of turning a knife, you know, in an, in, in a way where it's like, aren't I fucking edgy? And I do like other stuff Lars Trier does, but then this movie, it's like, I'm going to fully immerse you in a world where a man is reckoning with everything he's held sacred. Rotting mm-hmm. beneath him, which is what the movie's about. Yeah. I mean, the image of him screaming—it's like I've fought to be this father figure, and I can't hold it together. No, it's very real and very human, and I loved it. He, yeah. he also just yeah. being around made everything worse. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, but he
1: wasn't—he wasn't like a completely a dullard
3: or like a bad person no. too. So
1: it was—it's well, I really like.
3: He made a lot of bad decisions, and there were a lot. Did. There were a lot of moments where we were watching the movie, screaming, "No, don't you fucking do it!" You know. Which
1: to bring this, I'm sorry, just I—I I kept thinking about this. There's a stage uh, where stuff happens under it. And, yes, you know, in one movie, the there's bodies. <laughs> but in Lord of Mistral, there was also a stage yeah. where like children were going down to learn. And I just kept thinking of the two movies. That's true. Yeah. Which one did the better uh, hidden cubby? Okay.
3: And I'll tell you why. And this is once again, nothing against Billy Brent is that under the stage scene in, um mm. in a Lord of, Mistral. Lord of Mistral was perhaps the most. And then, and then, and then moment yeah. in, I've seen where it's, And I'm in this room and now I'm asking you where we go next. And now we go to this scene and now we're in this setting. And it wasn't, it wasn't causal enough. There wasn't like a, and therefore I do this. And therefore it was more like, let's move to the next set piece. And now we're in the next set. Whereas when evil lurks, it's like, we have to get the fucking thing under the stage and everything is working against us getting to it, you know, and it's, and also she's telling
1: you not to do this. So please don't. But as a teacher, did it look anything like
0: your little hidden room?
3: (laughs) I did have a nap nook uh, in one of my classrooms. That
0: sounds like a new segment on the show. Yeah,
3: I also used to have a storage closet where oh. I would just kind of sleep against the door with a bunch of um, uh, thumbtacks spilled around me. And if someone opened it, I'd say, oh, shit, I dropped all these oh thumbtacks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a country school. And when evil lurks somewhere out in, in Argentina, it didn't look that much like my school. Yeah.
0: How many stars? I'm
3: um, going to give this one like, let me think about it. So we're talking thumbs. I'm going to say 10 stars. All right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right. Uh, Nick, do you have another one?
3: I do. I want to talk briefly. We're going to talk in our Thursday episode about um, Mall Walk. Wait, are
0: you you all? Oh, okay.
3: But I'm I'm only bringing this as a quick segue. Uh, My friend Celia, who's making these really great um, podcasts now that are sort of like feature journalism podcasts, she's working on a new one already. I worked with her on Mall Walk, but I'll talk about that later. She's working on a new one already called um well that's i'm not going to give the title but it's about truckers and she's doing a lot of research into truckers she's interviewing truckers she's trying to hear like stories of the road and stuff and i'm helping a little with editing and research so i got into like trucker media i've been listening to a lot of red Sovine. i've been like listening to trucker country and of course one of the classic trucker country songs is white line fever and like a lot of great songs like convoy and all that stuff and smoky and the bandit um it's which isn't well eastbound and down um white line fever was actually a movie in the 70s there actually was sort of a 70s trucker movie you know craze going from every way which way but loose into bj and the bear and Smokey and the bandit and all that kind of stuff
0: convoy was big
3: dude. yeah 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 yeah. and that's sam peckinpah of course and so i found one that i hadn't heard of that was highly rated called white line fever from the 70s and that's of course uh i don't know it's a merle haggard song? I, don't, I don't know who does the original but it's been covered by a lot of people white line fever is of course referring to Um, specifically when a trucker's been driving a long time and they start to get vertigo from watching the the lines go by on the road. And there's a scene in the movie where they name it, they go, You got white line fever, my boy, pull over at the next stop and get some coffee. You know, like it (laughs) it it literally means like like, you're you're getting dizzy on the road. Um, but what this movie's about, and it's fucking raw. This movie's about unions and union busters. And it's specifically about Oh, that's a jacket right there. It's about uh our main character, um I forget his name. Can we scroll down for just a sec so I can see the character name? His name's, he's got a name they say a million times. Carol Joe Hummer. And they call oh. him Hummer the whole movie, and I was trying not to <laughs> laugh about it. But they're calling him Hummer. <laughs> he's got Slim Pickens as the old uh, trucking manager. And um, and basically, uh, Hummer and Dick Miller, also as a bit part trucker, um, Hummer tr- realizes that they're they're smuggling contraband for basically like trucker mafias. And, uh, he says, I'm not gonna have any part in it. He's a real patriot. He just came back from war and you know, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do contraband. And they said, okay, well basically if you don't move contraband for us, you're blacklisted. Like you will not get a trucking route in this country. And (laughs) they beat the shit out of him. They got cops working for them. They like, every time he tries to do an independent trucking job, they rough him up and they like, you know, they're, they're like, we run this shit. And so he tries to basically start a union to bust up the trucking mafia and, uh, it's a movie about how, I don't know how much of it is true, although we all know about Jimmy Hoffa, but it's basically a movie about like how fucking violent the like organized crime around trucking got in the seventies and how hard he had to fight, um, or people had to fight to kind of unionize against them. Of course, we also know that unions worked in tandem with the mafia at times and- uh, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, and, uh, in this case, it's got some great sequences of like, trucker action, a lot of great like footage of driving through Utah and Colorado and a sequence, at least one sequence where he's getting chased by a mafia car and he's on top of the back of the truck shooting as they shoot at him. And it's just some, just some great action. A lot of mob intimidation tactics, rattlesnakes in the driver's seat and burning houses down and stuff. All in all, it's a working man film. And it's a movie about, it's a movie about the trucker standing up for, for independent trucking. And uh, you know, all these companies that would try to take over the trucking industry, uh, not quite getting there. I do love a good trucker movie. I'm always looking for a new recommendations. So I recommend White Line Fever. I think it was great. I'm gonna say nine
0: nine out of twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Jam Michael Vincent, bro. Yeah. He's and a handsome boy. Little little slim pickings here. <laughs> I
3: think you might like it. Uh
0: yeah, it sounds Clark. interesting. No, yeah. for sure.
3: I think it's I think it's pretty darn good. I liked it. Yeah. Now, um Did you guys see Godzilla minus one? I did not. Okay. Randy, did you see, you
2: see Godzilla minus one? No, I intended to this week until I got COVID. So I haven't seen it. I recommend it.
3: It's quite good. I mean, I've always been a Godzilla fan. Um, but I think like most people, uh, the problem with Godzilla movies is usually you've got some good kaiju action and then you've got some really boring scientist talk scenes that just put you to sleep. And there's too much of them. Uh, uh, Godzilla Minus One, I'm going to hazard to say, is the, and I've seen a lot of Godzilla movies, is the greatest human plot line running through a Godzilla movie there's ever been. They make a solid human story running through this Godzilla movie. And there's other ones that have good human stories, but this is the best one um, to the point that you care so much and that the final Godzilla confrontation scenes aren't just like, oh, the, the, the scientist made the weapon work. It's more than that. It's like there's a human payoff. I'll give you the basic premise. It's, it's a period piece, kind of recontextualizing the entire Godzilla canon. At the end of World War II, when Japan's falling apart, a kamikaze pilot who can see that Japan's going to lose the war decides not to kamikaze. He uh yeah he Pussy. La- <laughs> that's the premise is, and he has a ton of shame about it. he lands his his plan on an island.
0: was this curb your enthusiasm? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Lord of Israel my virgin he lands he lands his plan on an island and uh, and people figure out pretty quickly like oh, you're a coward, you refuse to kill yourself because you can see that the empire is dying And then he um he accidentally becomes a father to an orphaned child. And then he wrestles between his responsibility for this child and his shame over not having killed himself for the Japanese empire. And while this happens, Godzilla rises. So these feelings get mixed up with Godzilla. And it's just a perfect like, wow, someone finally did it. Someone finally connected a human story to Godzilla in a way that was like meaningful. And so then he has this mixed feeling of I have to survive to take care of my child, but I should probably sacrifice myself to save the country from Godzilla. And he wrecked. He wrestles with this feeling over and over. Again. Interesting. Okay. Yeah,
1: because yeah. I know traditionally, you know, America, we worship the nuke. And Godzilla was kind of like the other end of that where it was a, Every, a bad thing <laughs> cast upon them.
3: Everything the Japanese have made since World War II has about has been about the nuke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you in, look at in it a, a different list. way though. In a different way. Yeah. Like,
1: you know, yeah. in our movies, the Avengers use a nuke to, sure. to get rid of the monsters. Sure. But in this, it's like, you know, the nuke creates
3: Godzilla. You just nailed it, Russ, with your analysis. All American movies are about how cool it is to police the world, and yeah. all Japanese movies are about how hard it was to get nuked. So
1: America, fuck yeah.
3: (laughs) And Godzilla represents nuclear power run amok. Like that's what it, that's what it, that's what he represents. And it's a great movie. Now,
1: you know, this is for all you listening. I, you know, I just want to take a moment and say, I heard everybody because this is the number one requested thing people have told me to watch. It's so good. And yet as a horror fan, I still have a little bit of that Kaiju hesitancy, Mm -hmm. but everyone's like, no, no, it's good. And then the main problem... You don't
0: want you, another Pacific Rim job, huh?
1: I like Pacific Rim, but the problem is what he's talking about. It's like Freddy versus Jason. We have a poster right there. The problem with that movie, it's about a bunch of fucking people I don't care about. It's mm-hmm. like we're both here to watch those two fight, and they tease us the whole movie.
3: I will tell you, just like every... God, I mean, first of all, I'm coming at Godzilla Minus One from a Godzilla fan perspective. Yeah. And I know that every Godzilla movie, you wade through the human to get to little sparse bits of Godzilla. However, most of the time it's like a sixties or a seventies movie with scientists being like, but surely if we use the fission device and it's 20 minutes of that (laughs) and you're like, let me go get another beer. We've pinpointed
1: Atlantis. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, (laughs) There's very little to connect to in the human scenes in older Godzilla movies. And in this one, you forget about Godzilla and you're like, oh, right, I'm watching a Godzilla movie because it's just like – it's it's not really a horror movie. It's more of a human drama. But you connect to the human drama so much. But I also wanted to bring up Godzilla Minus One not just to talk about it as a movie but to talk about how the movie-going experience. So um, you know that nowadays I've become very, very jaded about movie theaters because of the way people behave in movie theaters. So – um, I've been going to malls a lot because I worked did all this work on the mall podcast we'll talk about later um, but I went to Stonestown because I hadn't been okay. to Regal yet yep. you know and I wanted to go see what the whole Regal thing was about I what thought a that, weird experience I thought that'd be a good yeah. place to go see uh, Godzilla Minus One so two things about it number one is that I saw it in what they call Screen X, I which know. is uh, where yeah. they do the screen. And then they sort of stretch out the sides and project on si- on the sides of the theater, too. But only for certain sequences to try to make you feel more immersed in the movie. Okay. Like, it's not it's not the movie playing on three sides. It's like they take, like, kind of the – just the, the sides of the screen and then they just kind of extend them. Okay. So it's just kind of like colored lights stretching back. Um, I think it's a gimmick and I didn't love it. It made the theater too bright. It made the theater too bright. I want the screen to be the only light. I don't want to be in a lit up room. But the second thing is, you know how I will confront people over being on their phones in the movie theater. I feel especially confident doing it when I'm at my favorite movie theaters in uh, the Richmond district. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I, I was going, it was my first movie theater experience after my son was born. And I was thinking, listen, I cannot afford to get in a fight or get myself (laughs) worked up. And so I said, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid a confrontation about phones. Cause I recognize I'm going to a megaplex at a mall and uh-huh. the chances of it happening are pretty high. Um, and so I did everything I could. I got a, a seat really close to the front. So I'm like, if someone's on their phone behind me, I won't notice. I won't care. Um, and then what the fuck happens right before the movie starts? Four teenagers come and sit right behind me. They're talking oh. at full volume, the whole movie. And then they are not even kidding. The sound was off, I guess. Thank you. Um, They're genuine (laughs) iPad kids scrolling TikTok the whole movie. Now, I can't see it because I'm in front of them. But Uh. when I get up to go to the bathroom, just bright TikTok scrolling. They're not even looking at the screen. And I was just morally, uh, you know, hating it. But I said I wouldn't get mad, so I just moved closer to the screen and avoided them. I could still hear them when I moved, Mm -hmm. but whatever, not my fucking problem. An hour in, security kicked them out. I didn't even—I didn't even narc, but someone else did.
1: Right when
0: you were about (laughs) to win, evil lurks Some kids.
3: You do
1: know now that, like, what I've heard from everything is that there are cameras in every fucking theater now. Oh, so maybe the security after Colorado, yeah, Yeah. and it's. But I think it's one of those. They saw
3: me drinking then. Well, here's the
1: thing: (laughs) I think the rule is now, if you bug people enough that they tap us, yeah. you're, we'll get you out immediately, but they really don't do anything otherwise.
3: Yeah, no, I know. I, I just think that, and I really do mean this, I'm not a Luddite. I'm on TikTok a lot. I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't believe you, dude. I don't think there's anything wrong with technology, uh, but I will say that If you are someone who can't watch a movie without scrolling on your phone the whole time, you're a fucking iPad kid. Stay your ass home. Like (laughs) Clark is, he can
1: hear you. You know he's right here.
0: I'm an an iPad man. Please, yeah. Do not touch that iPad. By the way, definitely not.
3: It's one thing if you're like IMD being who the actor is. It's another thing if you're like, watching. don't give him cover <laughs> immediately. I've,
1: how did you read that? You know, he does that. Yeah. I've, I've yelled at Clark a couple. Of them. I'm like, you're on your phone. And you're like, I'm on IMDb. I'm like, oh,
3: fuck. Because that's a lot I don't of know checking. why that's a pass, by the way. I mean, that's at least somehow engaging with the film.
1: You know, I hate and uh, this, of course, if you're one of the Overlook theater crew, I might be talking about you you fucking idiots. I hate it when I go to a movie. And, you know, it's a ritual thing. New movie out. We all go and I get up to go to the bathroom or something. And I'm coming back and one of us is there on their phone. Offended. Then immediately after the movie, come up and say, Oh, I hated that movie. My response would be, You didn't even fucking watch it. Yeah. I saw you up there. You. Your face was glowing. Like,
3: did you ever have, uh, okay, like, Okay, don't get me started on this. I'll just say, <laughs> I'll just say two recent experiences. When I went to see IMAX, I did the full and Barbie thing when it came out that oh, weekend. Oh, okay. I saw Oppenheimer and IMAX. There was an, and it wasn't a teenager, so I'm not just picking on young people here. There was an old man next to me who pulled out his phone full brightness. Oh, wow, now and it going was, after
0: the boomers. And it,
3: <laughs> and it was this guy might have been Silent Generation, and it, was, and, it was, and it was, and it was, and it was making noise too. And I don't think he noticed. I had to add. I think he was pretty de- uh, like l- hard of hearing because I think I said like four times. Please put your phone away before his, I think it was like his daughter tapped him and was like, he wants you to put your phone away. And I looked at him and he did. And then my wife told me that when I went to the bathroom, he pulled it back out because he he only put it away for my benefit. And then when we went to Barbie, um, I sat very close to the front and a guy in the front row pulled his phone out multiple times. And I said, put your phone away. And he did. And I found out later he was a doctor who was on call. <laughs> How did you find this out? Because um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was a mutual friend who was like, "That was a doctor." He was he came to Barbie while he's on call, and I was like, "Sit in the fucking back, then." <laughs> yep. be like,
0: if he dies, he <laughs> dies. <laughs>
3: like, it's Barbie, bitch. Wow. And then and then uh, the worst of all. this this made me lose hope for the future. Is I went to see "Talk to Me" at St- at a uh, Century Twenty Daily okay. City, and this was like one of the few times where it was like retreat. <laughs> we don't have enough men. Um, I come into Barbie. I mean, not Barbie. I come into "Talk to Me." Good movie, by the way. Um... The entire two rows were on their phone. The entire oh, okay. the entire front two rows were on their phone. And I was like, fine, I can at least recline the seat back far enough here so I don't see that everyone's mm-hmm. on their phone. But then when the movie started, there were fucking flashes going off. Oh yeah. People were taking flash selfies in the movie theater. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you're You say, Oh TikTok. yeah, you're used to this? No, there's there's there was a trend. <laughs> I think it was coming out of uh, I can't remember, but somebody had like dropped their new rap LP in a theater. Like I think it was Avatar. Where people were filming them, and that was kind of like the TikTok challenge of the oh minute or some shit. Yeah. Well,
3: I did go up after that. I knew it was two rows of people. There's no way I was winning the put your phone away war, but I just said, "Can you please turn off your phone flashing?" And it happened three more times after that because yeah. they knew they had the numbers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so for sure. It's it's a it's an existential threat to cinema going. Genuinely, I
1: mean, talk to me. Maybe they're a Rackeraka fan. Here's what you do. They here's, can't sit still.
3: I, here's what everyone can do to remedy this problem. If you see a friend of yours on Instagram post. Imagery from within a movie theater. Say, what the fuck are you doing filming inside the movie theater? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and harass them about it.
0: I haven't been there yet. All right, to wrap up, uh, how many stars for Godzilla minus one? <laughs> <laughs> Ten. How Ten. many did you give the white line? Uh, uh, nine.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little harsher. Strong. I'm a little harsher, but they're right, still strong movies. Bring us home.
1: All right, don't worry, Clark. You're going to love this. A lot of genre, mm-hmm. a lot of horror. Uh, low budget. Okay. Uh, One's already leaving. Randy, are you leaving too? I'll be right back. No, I'm good. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we're going to kick it. Oh man. You know, I had all this time. I should have thought about how I want to lay it out. Well, you know what? Let's go back to another hole in the head. Um, I went for the closing night of another hole ahead at four star. I am back to report that all of the issues (laughs) that our homie, uh, Doug Roos had were fixed. So I do think they were just, Doug, I'm I, man, I'm sorry, dude. But apparently the stars aligned and just were like, not today, buddy. Yeah. And spe- everything was back to normal. So again, uh, four star, you're back in the good graces. Um, yeah, I went back. It was also Benji's birthday. Shout out to the warp dimension for your birthday. Uh, but another hole in the head closed with a slasher called He Never Left. After hearing strange noises coming from an adjoining motel room, a, a federal fugitive and his girlfriend inadvertently become targets of the notorious pale Face killer, whose legend has consumed and haunted the
0: local community for decades. I'm looking at that poster, and all I can think of is the, the town that dreaded Sundown. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um
1: Or it, I mean, any really like slasher movie, but you know,
0: you know what I mean, like you know, the looming
1: figure, yeah. The town of dreaded sundown is a good example too, because it is about like a community being haunted by this memory, which I think was the idea here. Now he never left. I want to open up and say that this is this is why I like indie horror. I'm watching it. This is a I would say it's a fairly polished movie, but it's not. It felt like there were a lot of ideas here and a lot of people doing good work at um, whatever like part of the film they were controlling, but like not everything was like up to par. So ultimately, I think the movie's kind of like meh. But I think everybody involved probably has a career in uh, future filmmaking. Like one of the problems here is just the setup. It kind of teases a um, hey, there's a dude hiding from the police. Too bad it's a haunted hotel. And I'm like, rad. I mean, we've been there before. This is a motel, which kind of like adds a different aesthetic. And Paleface is going to show up and kill a bunch of people.
3: Does the aesthetic of the movie match that poster? No.
1: Um. Honestly, wow. it feels a little bit more, and I hate to say it because I've turned it into a derogatory term. But uh, it's a little, <laughs> we got a little bit of a cool guy thing going yeah. on here. And one of the problems is the shifting perspective in this movie. We end up spending a lot of time with these two cops who um, at the end of the film, I actually like laughed out loud at a, at a moment and I felt bad. <laughs> that was the worst part is that I felt bad because I could tell there's something here. Some also there's an actor. Let me find like I y'all know if you've heard me talk about a movie, I normally don't call out actors because I'm face blind and everybody's their actual character. I think it was Gabriel um, calling Cunningham.
0: Colin call me
1: Motherfucker back. was, he was going for it. Is that Charla Bocanocchio? I think, I think you got that right. Bocanocchio. <laughs> but here's the thing our, our fugitive that's hanging out in the motel, he is, he's playing kind of like an abusive boyfriend. And it's his girlfriend that got him, uh, you know, she used her credit card. She got him the hotel and she's putting a lot out there, but he's still like, you know, he makes out with her and it's uncomfortable. And it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. The minute a ghost or something weird happens, and I, it wouldn't even be clear that it's a ghost. It was just like he saw something. Now, here's the thing. He's not a bad dude, which I already love. It's nuanced. He killed a guy while on parole. <laughs> Again, The situation, it's not what you're thinking. He, he hit him with the car as he was stealing it. He didn't mean mm-hmm. to. And light spoiler there. Felony but, murder. But I'm into the...
0: You, murder was the case that they gave him.
1: You, you root for a dude. Who the the FBI's after, right? The Federals. They're coming for him. Federals, But he's not really a bad guy, and, you know, he's haunted by the thing he did. The minute he sees, like, dead body, we're talking werewolf in London, like, I'm still, like, you know, I'm a oh, zombie version. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And it's like, he sees it, and he fucking, it's the problem with all of those, uh, I'm trapped in my apartment for a week. And now I'm fucking nuts. And it's like, dude, what happened in that week? Like yeah. I've been, uh, that's a vacation motherfucker.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. People go crazy dude, too fast. Yeah, This <laughs>
1: motherfucker was, he he had, he could cry on command and he just like let that roll. He's fucking, his veins are going to bust out of his neck and he's flipping the fuck out. And it's like, I like that you're doing it, but dude, right now it feels like you're a cartoon character in a different movie. Are you saying he went crazy a little too quickly? I'm saying his acting was like, in the right moment, this is perfect. And he did a monologue that was great, like close up. But there's a moment where his girlfriend comes in the room. He thinks somebody's been murdered next door. And they don't frame them together. So we get a, a like a cross cut where in one movie, this dude's fucking bouncing off the wall. going, it, it's fucking, like he's losing it. And then you cut back to kind of like a stoic, disconnected girl. And they're supposed to be in a relationship. And it's like, if you would have just framed them together, I think it would have played better because her not giving him anything would let us realize like, Oh, he might do this all the time. Yeah. Or like, you know, we could come up with a justification, but instead it just felt like it wasn't cohesive. Yeah. And a lot of the movie had that also it's not really a slasher. Um, this isn't the movie that I texted you about, but we have a similar Psycho problem. Study, yeah. Yeah. Where we're kind of bouncing perspectives sure. and I, it, It's it's cool, and I definitely will keep an eye on these people. But like this movie, I can't like wholeheartedly recommend.
3: Mm. Um, I like the poster.
1: No, the poster's rad. It just it doesn't deliver that movie.
3: Yeah.
1: Which, if you're going to that, it's like I want to watch that guy kill like at least five people, maybe eight.
3: I do like the like bad person runs into a bad situation. Yeah, like that's very Tales from the Crypt.
1: Well, it also is a good reason for him not to just leave. Like the number one problem, you know But he never left. He never left. <laughs> and you know what? You could tell the script writing, they really wanted to get cute with that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how like in Pulp Fiction, you might be like, well, not that one, because nobody knew what pulp fiction was at the time. But like where the title may take on a different meaning at different moments in the movie. Sure. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but you didn't you didn't have to do that. Like don't there's two cops sitting at a diner, and it's like...
3: Oh. My favorite. There's genuinely a Tales from the Crypt episode that fits the same format, kind of, where a hitman has to hide in a haunted hotel. Okay. And that's a great episode of Tales from the Crypt. I recommend it. I don't know what it's called. Yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> okay. I mean, we got Google. All right. Um, how many stars? Oh, I don't know. Maybe seven.
0: Okay. Seven out
1: of 12. Wait. Let me let me check the conversion chart. That's, I mean, normal, that that's normal Randy territory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, that was, he never left. Again, I think you can still watch that on another Hole in the Head streaming because it's still going digitally. Okay. Um. Then, uh, another Hole in the Head left and I was feeling a little bit of a, I wanted more. So I we went streaming and I watched Faceless After Dark. Now, here's a movie. This is the one I texted you about, by the way, Nick. Oh. Okay. Um, but let me set this up for you. So, uh
3: this one's got more of a Reffin-looking poster. Yeah,
1: it's very, like, neon noir kind of look. But also teasing a slasher. Here we go. Faceless After Dark. Following her breakout success in a killer clown horror flick, Bowie finds herself held hostage by an unhinged fan determined to recreate the film's fatal plot.
3: Sounds like it could go both
1: ways. It sounds like, whatever. Okay, like, I'll show up and... But here's the thing. Bowie? Here's... That one, it's Bowie. it's a little bit of a... Yeah, you get a little cringe pinch, you know what I mean? But here's the thing. So uh, Jenna, the one who plays Bowie, Jenna Cannell, uh, uh, she was one of the lead girls in Terrifier.
3: Mm-hmm. Now she ah.
1: co-wrote this movie. Turf. So when now, you know, with a little bit of context, you go back and you're like, wait a minute. Okay, this one's about a a girl who has success in a killer clown horse. Oh, it's meta narrative. And I'm like, oh, we're doing a meta. Th- yeah. I'm like, I'm in.
3: Yeah. My better person,
1: with meta. Better with meta. Dude, they call me... I'm a fucking full-blown meta head, dude. It sounds like a, just like Zuckerberg, No, It
3: probably <laughs> sounds like it's just what she was thinking about after being in Terrifier, where she's like, well, I'm glad I was in Terrifier, but now I'm scared of Terrifier fans, you know? Because Terrifier fans are weird sometimes.
1: and But they're they're numerous yeah. now. Like, it <laughs> yeah. blew up.
3: Well, you get all kinds. You get people like you who appreciate film yeah. and who appreciate uh, oh, like, independent film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get, like... I think you do get, like... Weirdos so like weird oh, for sure. art, the clown sadosexuals. Oh are, yeah, <laughs> like
0: I and, watch this. Hey, episode. I'm right here. <laughs> I, yeah, me and Clark. There's something for everybody. So what if art gets me hard?
1: So my first complaint, I'll just get it out of the way now. Why isn't this found footage? I think if we're oh, gonna, God, if we're gonna, that's how you lead shut off. the fuck up! I'm gonna turn your mic <laughs> off. Here's the thing: if we're gonna blend reality and really like, like, let's fucking blur the lines. And I really think if this movie was just her, like just her, and just talking into a camera, exploring everything, like being kind of vulnerable and then, you know, navigating through a horror movie. We could do that. No budget. And I would be completely enthralled. I can imagine it in my head. It's just one of those premises that's like ripe for it. Again, I'm going to get that all the way now. Don't worry, I won't bring it up. The problem here is that We open up and she's on set and first off, the clown looks like a full moon production. It's it has none of the hallmarks of Terrifier, which I think Nick kind of touched on. That movie goes a lot harder than a just typical slasher. So it's unique in that way. I
3: would call it a splatter film.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, it's like it's driven by shock, at least early on. Yeah. And on top of that, art is interesting, which is like there's normally in those movies, all we're trying to do is get people like irked or like, you know, make them feel something for better or worse. And then that movie will win. But Art the clown delivered on a character that people like have latched on too hard, me included. Mm-hmm. And it like, it rose above when nobody thought it would. He's more iconic than the movies he's in. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. And that's why like all hollows Eve is almost forgotten. Yeah. Even though that movie's very him central too. Yeah. But in this, the clown is so, lacking of character that it's almost like it's not even clear unless you read what this is about that the clown even plays a role. Is it like a Fam Fun level clown? No, it, it really feels
0: like a full moon. body. Like,
1: like they're in a barn. It's uninspired. There's a clown. He's like on top
0: of her like, oh, I'm going to kill why, you. Why is Charlie Band taking hits today?
1: I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just full moon. I feel like there's no love in a lot of their in-house creations. we
3: are talking like Killjoy. Killjoy yeah, felt yeah. a little bit <laughs> like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, Trent Haga. I know you <laughs> played him in part three. Um, but in this one, it just... We pivot from the onset where nothing really terrible happens. Just, I, I guess a girl's regretting her career is now I was in a movie, it got popular and now I'm at a horror convention where here's the real problem. Hey, I uh, guess who's watching your movie right now. Probably horror fans that like to go to horror conventions sure. and like, and you know, raise you up. Like we like to celebrate you. Yet your film kind of, it, it just feels a little bit like you don't like us. So we see her at a horror convention. Maybe they're going for like a misery thing, right? You know, I don't. Well, she's alone at her (laughs) table. Misery
0: sucks.
1: (laughs) Well, she's sitting there with another girl and they're just like lamenting like, oh, I'm not making any money. Nobody's here. The one dude that showed up is a creep. And then it turns into. He's a weirdo. Here, I'll I'll get a little spoilery. He breaks into her house. We learn she's a lesbian. This is important later on. And uh, he breaks in. He's like, oh, I was going to hurt you. And she's like, oh, well, oops, I killed you. And guess what? I'm into it. Right? So we're doing like a punk thing. Okay. Wait, so she
3: becomes a killer?
1: So she starts, she gets oh. on Instagram and starts like finding people she doesn't like
3: and then invites them okay. over and kills them. That sounds a bit cool. You know well, what I mean? Like, 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 a, like a punk rock. Yeah. Like what you said, it sounds like Serial Mom a little all of a sudden. There, yeah. was, <laughs> there was a review I saw in
1: Letterboxd that I I was like, man, you nailed it. But like... It's a bummer because I could see what this movie could have been. Sure. And somebody was just like, oh, it, it I, what one star? And they said, Congratulations, you have good politics. Yes. Because all of her victims were like, here's straw man argument, here's um conservative red-blooded guy who's gonna show up and
3: tell me, uh,
1: I need a woman that's gonna
3: worship me. Mm. And I'm like, you know. Very topical. This is just so fucking boring though. Did you ever see that movie Spree with uh I did. Yeah. So sure. it's kind of like that, where like I remember that movie being good, well made, but also being like so culturally referential that I was like getting, like, it was like a lot of like, he meets a white nationalist and, oh, he yeah, kills uh, him, and then he meets a, um, a pickup artist and he kills him. And it was like a lot of like, these are all the assholes you'll meet in
1: LA. Ariana Grande's uh, brothers in the movie. And yeah, we so talked to Eugene. Misha Barkin. Yeah, yeah. We had Eugene Kotliarenko on here.
3: I mean, that's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying like that topical stuff can start to get to me. I you know, know. Yeah.
1: that movie's kind of a satire about like LA and that crowd though, yeah, yeah. where this felt like an isolated girl who's like, My experience, which is probably why you're watching this movie, that we're not going to touch on. Yeah. Because it's not like Michael Myers is in her hallway and and she's like, oh, it's not real. It's just this PTSD I'm experiencing. Sure. Sure. It's more like... I'm mad that my career didn't go the way it wanted to. And I'm mad at the people who liked the work I did. So Mm. I'm going to start
3: murdering them. Okay. So this is an old sentiment though. I know Clark hates misery, but this is, (laughs) this is, this is, this is what Stephen King did with misery that I think we've lost some context for is, Apparently when Stephen King wrote Carrie, he had also, I mean, we see it from him writing stuff like Shawshank Redemption. He had wanted to be a like general serious novelist, oh, okay. you know, and he wrote a novel that happened to have horror elements. And then his publisher said, okay, well you're a horror author now. Yeah. You write horror stories now. And I mean, it's not like he doesn't have a bunch of horror stories in him because he's very prolific, but he's like, I want to be taken seriously as an author. It. And he got pigeonholed early on. And then his author said, people want your horror stories, keep yeah. them coming. So when he wrote stuff like the body or Shawshank Redemption, his publisher would be like, "This is your one, and next I want the <laughs> and next I want the killer car back, and I want the killer dog." And so he wrote misery as, "I feel held hostage by my fans, mm-hmm. and I feel like they won't let me develop as a writer." And so I'm sure in LA they're like, "You're known for Terrifier. Guess what? You're a scream queen now. You're in horror movies now. That's it." And she, so she has a resentment for us. There's you know?
1: po- there's potential there because remember she's in Terrifier one.
3: Yeah,
1: you could have made a movie about like. I'm in the same movie as Terrifier 2, but that is huge.
3: That's Was she cool. the one who gets cut in half?
1: I you know, I kept trying to remember that. Oh, I the couldn't. magician's assistant.
3: <laughs> yeah, like I don't – like that would have been that, good though. That's the iconic moment. Like somebody's like, hey, man, I'd like to see you
1: cut in half again or something. Like Ugh. you could do something – but I just felt like it was all surface level. There's do, nothing interesting. They did this with Human
3: Centipede 2, where the woman from Human Centipede 1 was herself getting killed in Human Centipede 2 by a psychophant.
1: Same thing. And, uh, no, wait a minute. Two was the security guard who loved the movie and was trying to do it on his own. And the actress. And he played, found the actress. Yeah, he found, yeah. yeah and she plays but herself. But in three, there's like, then we're full Twilight. Don't you fucking Yeah, three. you hate three. do the worst. I
4: love
3: three. Three's Two, the best. I, I swear. Two's the best. Three's the worst. If
1: Dennis Hopper were in three, that would be like culturally loved but because there's no like right. iconic character like because or he's great. dude it's so good but again nick i'm so glad you're here <laughs> also this was the movie that I texted you. Cause I'm like, yeah. the problem is that they're selling a like Refin kind yeah. of slasher like yeah. style, yeah. but it's a, we're just following the bitch around. You know what? Uh,
3: uh like a, like a Brian De Palma style slasher by the yeah. look of the poster. Yeah. Yep. Well, I recently, uh, and I'm not starting a whole separate discussion. I just want to say I, <laughs> I recently watched all the De Palma slashers I'd missed out on like body double and blowout and stuff like that. Oh, blowout. And Randy they're so good. But what, 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 Claire, uh, what, um, what Russell is referencing is that I've always said a pure slasher film has a mystery element. Yeah. And if you find out who the killer is early, it's not a real slasher film because it's, it's just a psycho study. You're just yeah. watching a psychopathic person operate. Uh, and the thing that makes early slashers fun is the Agatha Christie element. So if you don't have that element, it's not like a proper so slasher. So
1: are you saying that scream is not fun? My friend
3: <laughs> scream is a that laugh <laughs> scream is a perfect slasher. Okay, good. They, did, you, they, they, did you watch Thanksgiving? No, I want to watch okay, Thanksgiving. That's, that's I, was, your I was, you know, dealing at- <laughs> with a, a week old baby at that point. But <laughs> Oh, fuck, don't you fucking dare.
1: But anyway. I just ignored mine. I'm like, I'm playing day by day. Like-
0: um, also, to be clear, my issues with Misery are not Stephen <laughs> King based, I would imagine. It's- They're more Rob Ryder. Based. Oh,
3: I see. I see. Uh, well, I mean, you, you don't have a problem with Kathy Bates, I hope. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Her American horror stuff kind of thing- like... It- have you have you watched it recently? Not recently. It's hokey
1: as shit. Yeah. American horror misery. Misery. Oh, I didn't realize that was a show. Misery the movie. Oh, okay. I thought god, I thought you were talking about a show and Jimmy she was Con,
0: in it. Kathy Bates. Jimmy Conn Corn? All Con I remember Con, about it okay. is what everyone else
3: remembers about it, which is that Kathy Bates really became that role and she did a good job. Yeah,
0: but the movie sucks.
3: Stephen King has also said it's a metaphor for cocaine.
1: And, well, you know what? I think there's ripe. There's ample opportunity to really like play with that idea in the modern time sure. with social media. It's like here's my new thing, and then your fan base is like, no, it's not. Like- Stephen
3: King is a, uh, he's explored it a bunch of times. In Lisey's story, he also explored it, and he calls them deep space cowboys. That's his that's his term for psycho fans people who oh. get too too into his work, start to take it too seriously. You know, and I I imagine it's a a bit tricky. It's why it's good to remain anonymous as
1: an artist. (laughs) Anon and on, right behind me. That's why he lives in Maine.
3: Yeah. He has a very high security mansion up in Maine where he lives.
1: To protect his cocaine.
3: He's got weirdos. who try to go see him all the time. He
0: still killed a guy, so. He didn't kill a guy. He ran into somebody. No, yeah, he Googling. got
3: ran into. <laughs> <laughs> You're All thinking right. of Matthew Broderick. Stephen King got hit by a car and yeah. went through physical therapy because of it. It was Matthew Broderick who hit a guy with the car and Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> and Laura <laughs> yeah, Bush. Yeah. All right. And
1: Taylor Swift. How many stars? Oh, shit. Me? I think. Oh, dude. I think I gave this one. Oh, I think on the 12-star, it would be a, like a four or a three. Oh,
0: my I really – That's one, a Brian De Palma to the this face. This one
1: on The Verge, again, and I, I'm, I'm self-aware a little bit because of the in-world camera potential here. It yeah. really got on the verge of making me angry. Of course it did. Like thinking about it. Yeah, we know.
0: You're, you're, you're Icarus here. Oh, but shut the fuck up. Why are you too close to the sun? You're just here? mad
1: I got wings, bro. Okay, I got <laughs> right. one more, Uno too, Mas. so shut the fuck up. Here we go. All right, this one's this is going to be groundbreaking. We may have to start a new show after this one. <laughs> we got to wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. It's called Black Mold. Oh, God.
3: Oh, God. The story of uh, While house, exploring. <laughs> my college dorm. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: while exploring a decrepit and abandoned facility, an auspicious photographer faces off against her traumatic past. Hmm. Um th- I had a very weird experience with this movie. One, I also lived in a thing we used to call mildew house. Like we got a great deal. <laughs> we had a lot of floor space. It's mildew also- or mill don't? don't for sure. You know why? Because the mold was so bad in the room that we were in. Again, we cleaned it down. We live in the Bay Area. It's moist out here. Put four <laughs> layers of mold uh like shut down paint, like because it wasn't properly insulated in there. This motherfucker, it sneak it snuck through. But only where there was no light. I, I, I understand. It's mold. Yes. But behind every poster, covered. Like furry kind of I, covered. This is
0: gross. I don't care about this. I in, won't talk about the movie. In my yeah. Blu-rays, <laughs> they're in the spine. This is gross. Ugh. I think
1: Streetcar Named Desire had some mold in it. It's gross. And I'm like, oh, I, I got like- I'm, viscerally like if you keep talking, to- i'm gonna ban you from the show <laughs> <laughs> well here's the thing and again i was building so, towards something this is a horror movie dude jesus it felt like we were in the early age of like zombie films when uh you know you don't say the said word right mm-hmm. in this movie they fucking said mold almost every other word and i'm like mold is gold the problem is that you're you keep talking about it but you're not really doing anything with it so this movie, uh, you know what? Let me let me scroll down
0: here. So you what? want you want them to take the bye bye man approach. So don't think it. Don't say it.
1: <laughs> we we have uh, our leads here, uh, uh, Brooke and Tanner. Now here's the problem. Uh, the problem oh, is me Home. Absolutely uh, no chemistry. These two, and they're hanging out, they're kind of like hip photographers, and they look like a wonderful Williamsburg couple to me. (laughs) So the (laughs) so the fucking tanner. It's too hot for him. (laughs) That guy very much. He looks like a like a comedian that's been on Kill Tony that people keep making fun of. They call him like Farqua if he had sex with uh Danny Trejo. Okay. And it's like, oh yeah, it I nailed it. Dude, and (laughs) it's it's he's fine. They're both fine, but they feel like there was two different casting departments and they came together and they met right before the camera started rolling and they're both doing okay, but you'd never buy them as like a friend group. Also, there's a weird thing going on. Um, They have a third, they have a getaway driver. She drops them off at an abandoned building. Again, they don't have, they didn't get permits to shoot here. They're they're only doing photography. And in my head, I'm like, who does, (laughs) who goes out and gets permits for this shit? But whatever, they have a getaway driver. She'll drive them. Drop them off, and she comes back in 15 minutes, right? Gotcha. So you're like, okay, perfect. Make some complicated mechanism for it just to go wrong because this doesn't check out. Like, why didn't she just wait there? Whatever. They go in, and um, they visit multiple houses here. The houses had to be real. They look cool, but they're, like, furnitured. It's not like when you go check out an abandoned house as a kid, and you're like, oh, this is going to be great, and then you realize, oh, there's nothing here but, like, some garbage and graffiti. And, um... These are fully furnished. They look haunted. And uh, we're there. It's a blink. We go to the next one. We hang out the next one for a little bit. Then we start getting weird. There's a sign on a rocking chair. It says, go home. And she's like, oh, that's strange. Take a picture. And it's like, oh, okay. The ghosts are doing something now. And all the while, they're talking about mold. Oh, yeah, my allergies whenever I'm around mold. I'm like, dude, allergies and mold? Mold is just bad for you no matter what. We keep talking about it. He gets scared of some things. They keep dropping all these breadcrumbs. It's like nobody cares to pick them up. He's scared of scarecrows. That becomes a thing. And Mm. she's teasing him for it. And we're like, are you going to pay this off? They're not
0: watching The Wizard of Oz.
1: Dude, no. And um, it does get paid off. And it feels like it's from another movie. Everything is so disjointed. We go to a third and final place. It's a giant facility. And the main problem here is that there's a dude living in the building. And I'm like... These two people can't navigate one homeless guy. This is the the third act. He's tormenting them. He takes them hostage. They get barricaded in a room. Then the mold starts tripping people out. So he sees scarecrows. It's like if y'all would have just like reeled it in, kept this idea very simple and just had a couple of people hanging out. They probably have a lot of trauma, clearly, which is what they wanted here. Like people with a lot of shit and they're going and they're doing their hobby and then their hobby gets kind of exposed because you're hanging out together in an intimate setting and there's black mold.
3: That's all you needed. Was there like good horror gross out mold moments in this movie? This movie? Because what you were describing sounded like more of a mold horror movie. No,
1: it felt like it felt like a studio film where it was more about just getting it done than like exploring the genre. What honestly, I'm, I'm, pardon the wording, but this movie needed to breathe. There's no B roll. Oh, you Samuel Yeo, dude! I know. I, you know what? I take it back. I am proud of that. This it, movie needed
3: debris. In a movie called Black Mold, I want a bunch of disgusting mold sequences where they're like opening moldy ass closets and mold is falling right. from the ceiling. You want
1: a lot of like particles yes. in the frame? And like, well, I
3: think about uh, two cheese. things. I think, of, <laughs> I think of the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, which is that creep show segment where Stephen King is getting covered in the green plant that grows all over him. And then I'm uh-huh. thinking about. The, we've talked about Junji Ito in here before. I'm thinking about the Junji yep. Ito comic. I love that one. The, with one the with sleeping the greasy, bag? No, the grease, the grease. Oh, the grease one too. The, the yeah. one where they, they live above a hibachi and the grease starts to like just soak everything, everything. in their house and they're full of grease. And The thing
1: that got yeah. me into Junji Ito, my sister brought me a book on Christmas. It was a gift. And uh, of course the family started fighting. So I'm like, let me retreat into this book. And in the first story, it was a uh, dude tripping out yeah. and he was so scared of his apartment that he wouldn't get out of the sleeping bag. Turned out he had mold in the fucking bag and Classic. it was making him trip. And I'm like, this is fantastic. I'm buying everything Junji does.
3: Yeah. No, I know. He does a lot of those good ones. I want a movie called Black Mold needs to be about black mold. The things you were describing about having mold in your Blu-rays is the most disgusting thing look I've ever Look at heard. it, though.
1: Like, look. So these are frames from the movie. I'm just on IMDb clicking yeah, it around. It looks clean. And I'm like, yeah. dude, it's
3: too... Like we didn't need anything. Uh, a movie here. called Black Mole needs to look like a John Waters movie.
1: <laughs> it's got like uh it's got like Fincher set deck. Oh, like right here where it's like, ew. oh
3: no, that blue orange.
1: Yeah. Oh the, the orange and teal. Yeah. yeah, yeah
3: it yeah. it looked too high. I'm like
1: you know, it should have been found footage. That's what I'm saying. I think it should have been Black Exploitation. Oh my <laughs> god
3: dude i might be onto something there (laughs) you know
1: and i'm not giving the movie enough credit she did have so the the main drive here and the reason why they're like breaking into properties now which they never did before and the reason they don't just leave even though there's mold is she got a grant she got an art grant and she's like i really want to do something cool for my next gallery and the guy's like are we really going here because of your gallery and she's like no this is just for us and I don't know. We mm. never explored anything. She had daddy issues in a way that like, she started thinking the homeless guy was her dad. Now I'm listening. Who was dead.
0: She's single? Uh, I don't care about that guy. I think, I a, think she is. Right. Yeah.
3: A movie called Black Mold should be directed by Sean Baker. I
0: would buy that.
3: It should be about a moldy ass apartment in Florida where, yeah. where there's cockroaches and there's a gator in the pool.
1: I could see it where you have like protagonists who aren't fully aware at how unhealthy it is, but yeah. they really don't. Life hasn't really given it them an should, option to it, get out. It should be more like gummo. That's what I'm kind of saying. Yeah. yeah. I want to see little kids yeah. drinking beer like Fish Tank. Yeah. I, dude, I'm into that. I don't know. I, I want to see Baz Lerman's black
3: mold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I was. We got to get out of here. Got to get out of here.
1: <laughs> dude, black mold on a dummy. Yeah. There, no, a ventriloquist dummy. Like some kids find it and they're like, oh, cool. Don't I'm, breathe the air. We'll take it, but it has like black mold on it. <laughs> and it's making the family like trip out and they think it's a ghost, all right, Randy. write that down. That'll be our first criterion. Russell, hit. How many stars? Oh God, I don't know let me I'm gonna cheat. let me find the conversion. What sounds good but isn't no, I mean really, it's like a fucking um God, it's gonna sound better than it is, but it's probably like a seven or an eight. It's, it's nice. kind of forgettable. Kinda, he's
3: being kind of friendly to the movie after talking so much shit. It's. I have a very <laughs>
1: complicated system, you see, for uh all the the battleheads out there.
3: <laughs> oh god!
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They have to follow merch coming soon. Yeah. They
1: know like a three is
0: boring. It's kind of yeah. the death knell. But all right, well, uh, we're gonna keep this going. We're gonna transition over to our Thursday episode, but right. we're gonna leave you right now so enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and your Wednesday but don't worry we're only a couple days away from you hearing our wonderful voices again And before we do that we're going to send it over to Randy Michael Stat to send you goodbye
2: yeah if you got any other um, films from this year that are like two plus hours long and don't have a lot of a plot but a really good mood and cinematography send them my way so I could watch them before we uh we recap
1: the year Randy, I just watched three movies like that. I'll definitely send them your way.
3: Hell yeah. Lawrence of Arabia, it. Randy. But that's that's an old movie. We'll see. Um,
1: oh, my bad. I thought he's. I'm trying to early. end
3: the episode
0: so <laughs> well, that we wait, can start another I just episode. realized
1: Lord of the Rings. I didn't get to talk about the thing I wanted to mention. My old school beef. We've, you had two hours and 15 minutes
3: to
0: do that.
1: <laughs> My old school Orlando Bloom beef where, you know, he gets all the spotlight. Also, a lot of cultural damage on what an elf looks like. They got very, like, feminine. I don't know. And Gimli gets no love. He's We do the, like, uh, he's the masculine guy, so he's going to be the joke. Like, he's going to be the fall guy. And I watched it this time. I'm like, you know what? I think I was uh, It was kind of hot air back then. I think the real tragedy is that Legolas is a boring character who has no growth through three, four hour movies. And Gimli does at the end. Like, you're like, Oh, he's a better person for having gone on this journey. But Legolas, you're like, you showed up a badass and you're leaving that way. I hope you don't show up in the Hobbit trilogy. Spoiler. He does. And it's fucking terrible. Yeah. no. Was it worth it? Yeah. I'm very happy with that. All right. We'll see you next week.
3: <laughs>
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater. Facebook at the Overlook Hour and Twitter at the Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at, overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana
3: again next time. Bye.